now, introducing a man who was stopped the other night trying to stuff the ballots to get Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame. When the young lady who stopped him asked him what he was doing, he said, I gotta get Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame. I gotta save baseball. The young lady responded saying, sir, those are napkins, that's a suggestion box, and this is a Wendy's. He's in the Hall of Guys who have been on the radio. He is Glenn Clark. An Arby's, actually. You, you missed that. It was an Arby's. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. I was there for a big Montana. <laughs> I was about to say a big Montana. Doesn't love a big Montana, which doesn't exist anymore. Man, that uh, that scene was that what the um, Amanda Peet was consuming in Sarah Silverman mm-hmm. was a big See, Montana. I want a big Montana. It's the most important motion picture, um, not named Catch Me If You Can of our lifetime. I'm just telling you, mo- Saving Silverman. I will stand by this. The greatest comedy of a generation and the most criminally underappreciated film, perhaps ever. Saving Silverman is perfect. It you, is perfect. Come on, yeah! You you ate him. Yeah, we you ate, ate him. him. Yeah. That's the, the perfect, perfect crime. crime. Yes, correct. Oh God, I love that movie. Hi, hello, hello, Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. I'm not ready, guy. I'm sorry. I'm try again. Oh, I got to keep going. That's the way it works. <laughs> That's a shame. That's a real shame. Um, we got a lot to do. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. We will get to that. Uh, also coming up today, Drew Forrester is going to join us. Normally, I like to bury that in later on in the show so that like we can, ch- you know, we don't chase anybody away from the you good stuff that we're so going to do. You so defeated when you said it. True force. I mean, it's, it's what it is. Unfortunately, we got to do early with him this week, just the way the schedule worked out. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I love Drew. I just, you know, we all know what we're getting into when we put Drew on the show. Later on in the program, uh, speaking of Barry Bonds, the great John Miller is going to join us as we're going to get his thoughts on Barry Bonds. Not getting into the Hall of Fame, as you know, John Miller, after he left Baltimore, has been in San Francisco for now a few decades. He arrived there, I think, roughly the same time Barry Bonds did, in fact. Um, and we'll get it, you know, just some thoughts on on. I I I know John Miller called every one of Barry Bonds' significant moments, and I don't know what the relationship was like. I don't know if if john miller would say yeah he was unlikable to me too i just don't know i've never talked to john miller about barry bonds never had that conversation i'm gonna guess he won't just my guess um it's also an excuse to have john miller on the program and john miller is one of the best so i am uh, i'm always happy to do that um and then also today we're going to catch up with nenda tark he of course from coppin state uh, they've had a nice little run of late including some significantly dramatic shots from him a game-winning shot at the buzzer from mid-court, or from half-court, I guess they call that. Call so many sports, sometimes I forget the terminology. From half-court to beat Morgan State two weeks ago, and then he followed it up on Monday night with a game-winner against Howard. It's been a nice little run for Nenda Tark. We're going to catch up with him. And speaking of basketball, Trevlin Queen is a North County alum. He's a Glen Burnie native um, whose path to professional basketball is quite bizarre. Community colleges, briefly being homeless, literally living in his car. Not, I don't even think it was his car, actually. I think it was a friend's car in California to try to keep the dream alive. And it all paid off for him as this year he made his NBA debut with the Houston Rockets. He scored double digits in a few games. Right now he's back down um, with their G League team, the Rio Grande Valley team. But he's on a two-way contract and can get called back up at any point. And he has lived the dream. He is living the dream 
after literally having nothing not that long ago. Traveling Queen, great story. We're going to catch up with him this morning as well. So lots to do on the program today. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, I just want to take a minute, if I could. I, I know you've already probably seen a number of the tributes out. Uh, we talked to Jeremy about it on Monday. Today is Mo Gabba's birthday, and today Mo would have turned 16 years old. And I, there's nothing necessarily new, unfortunately, to be said. I, w- I was talking about this, um, the anniversary of uh, the day that my childhood best friend passed away, passed us recently, and I was talking with his sister, and I'm like, every year I feel like I'm sharing the same stuff when we talk about him, because unfortunately that's what happens when someone passes away. There's just not anything new to share about them. There's nothing that you can do. But what it is is a reminder of who they were, what they were about, why they mattered so much. It's the reason why we renamed our uh, Sports Person of the Year Award, the Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, is because, as we talked about this with Sanzi, every year we want someone to go pick up that issue of Press Box, see someone like Justin Tucker or perhaps... In the future, Adley Rutschman or Grayson Rodriguez or, you know, whoever it is the Ravens draft this year. N'Kobe Dean, I don't know. They want, we want them to pick it up and say, Mo Gabba, Sports Person of the Year. What, what is that? What does that mean? Because we understand that at some point in the coming years, as younger people get older and, and older people move on, there are less people that know the story. So ideally... 50 years from now, we're still putting out press box issues, and it's one more reason for somebody to pick up and say, I don't, what is this Mo Gabba? Tell me about them. That's the idea. It's why we want the Ravens to continue doing the Mo thing in the end zone for as long as possible. The idea is that we want there to be all these opportunities for someone else who didn't know Mo to learn his story. You all, of course, know Mo's story. If you're listening to this show, I can't fathom someone listening to this show and not knowing Mo's story. You know what he meant to me. And I've, I've said before, the most powerful thing I can say is that when we decided to make Mo Gabba our sports person of the year a few years back, um, I got a hold of the story that Bill Ordeen wrote, and I said to myself, it's a little over the top. I mean, it's just a little over the top. He wrote about Eric DaCosta essentially talking about holding Moe's hand and and comparing it to, like, finding Jesus. And I was like, okay, man. Like, okay. Until the next time I was out with Moe, and Moe wanted me to hold his hand. And we sat there, and we held hands for 15 minutes, and I had the exact same feeling that Eric DaCosta did and had to apologize because I felt it, and I knew it was real. And it overwhelmed me. The most remarkable human being I've ever come across. By far. And there have been some wonderful human beings that I've had the chance to get to know. But there's nothing that's close. And every year, you maybe get bombarded with the same pictures and the same 
you know, because I keep saying that you can't have anything new. It's impossible when someone passes away. But please understand the point is simply to continue the conversation because someone today that you know doesn't know who Mogaba is. Not likely someone here, but someone you know. And you sharing something about Mo on social media will make them stop and say, who is this person? Why should I care? And perhaps they'll learn Mo's story and it'll impact their life in some sort of way that it impacted my life, that it obviously impacted Jeremy's life, and so many of us that came across Mo Gabba in whatever fa- form or fashion. My wife barely like, had any interaction with Mo. And this morning, we were looking at a video and started crying all over again. Because that's the type of impact. So that's the reason, and that's the reason why, um, you know, and it won't just be today, it'll be... You know, in the summer when we get to the anniversary of the day that Mo passed away, we get to anniversaries of days that, that Mo did various things, you know, calling out a draft pick, throwing out the first pitch. Every time, there's going to be more and more videos, pictures, reflections that are shared of Mo Gabba. And I'm grateful for that. Um, it, 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 it's the opportunity to teach someone about this remarkable young man and maybe impact their life by learning about it. Maybe... They just rub a little off in that way. I appreciate your um, your your T-shirt today, Paul. I was requested uh, from Mo's family that everybody wear their uh, Orioles and Ravens gear today, and so I, indeed, I don't normally wear Orioles or Ravens gear. It's just not something that I do a whole lot of because you know, it's it's a church and state kind of thing. But uh, for Mo, one thousand percent, and that's not. You know, it's not like I wouldn't wear gear. If I just go sit in the stands at a game, I might very well wear an Orioles shirt. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky. Um, but I was very happy to do that and um, was happy that, um, you know, honored that the family invited me out tonight and, and going to get together with a lot of people that knew and cared about Mo. And so um, there'll be a lot of emotions. It'll be very – It'll be <laughs> every time I just get get together with Sanzi, and my wife and I have gotten together with Sanzi a couple times, it's just like I, I hate this because I just – Sanzi's become a friend and I just want to be – like you know have a relationship and a friendship that's but it's still like it's just so unbelievably emotional like because you just can't avoid it you can't avoid it so um hopefully it'll be a more be more happy than it'll be uh sad tonight uh to see everybody but um obviously a very emotional day is today is mogaba's 16th birthday so just uh just want to spend a minute with that this morning just wanted to uh, reflect on that it's, it's very difficult it's like yesterday it's very difficult to just transition and do silly very difficult to just do silly but we'll do our best moving forward to do some silly on today's show um a couple more candidates that we now know about for um the ravens defensive coordinator obviously we knew about joe witt from the cowboys add chris richard from the saints to that list uh, as Josina anderson reported yesterday the former seahawks secondary coach Actually, let me go. Sorry, I think I have that backwards. Chris Richard. I got a little, I got a little thing going on here. I don't know what that's all about. Player. No, not that one. Not that guy. Different guy. Very different guy. What's that Chris Richard doing these days? I wonder how a life turned out for him. Uh, uh, Seahawks defensive coordinator, and of course Cowboys defensive backs coach, and now most recently the Saints defensive backs coach. 
Chris Richard, um, a candidate to be the Ravens' next defensive coordinator. And also, according to Mike Preston of the Baltimore Sun last night, we learned about a couple more potential candidates for the Ravens' defensive coordinator job. One, not surprising whatsoever, as he mentioned Joe Cullen. Ravens, this is from Mike Preston. Ravens expected to talk with Jaguars defensive line coach Joe Cullen within the next day and have interest in Bucks inside linebackers coach Mike Caldwell, according to sur- sur- sources. Sound like Mike Francesa. Sauces, according to my sauces. He also says keep an eye on Michigan defense coordinator Mike McDonald and Ravens D-line coach Anthony Weaver as favorites for the vacant defensive coordinator position. Those are two names that have been brought up a lot. Um, obviously, Anthony Weaver being internal was defensive coordinator in Houston. Um, we know that the Ravens over the years have liked to promote from within in terms of the defensive coordinator spot. What's interesting is the majority of the candidates that we're finding, finding out about are not internal. You could say Joe Cullen kind of is technically internal because you know he had been with the Ravens until a year ago, so you could say... You know, it's essentially hiring an internal candidate. It's just somebody who disappeared for a year. Mike McDonald has, of course, a history in Baltimore, went out to Michigan. There has been some debate as to whether or not John Harbaugh would pry his brother's defensive coordinator away. I think there has been some sort of thought that, like, it would be more likely that he would do it if Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan and, say, takes the Raiders' job than if Jim Harbaugh ends up staying at Michigan. Like, Mike McDonald's candidacy might have something to do with that. Like, John Harbaugh wouldn't feel bad about trying to go after a, a guy that that would be in transition. Now, I don't know why Jim Harbaugh, if John Harbaugh likes Mike McDonald as defensive coordinator, why wouldn't Jim Harbaugh like Mike McDonald, McDonald to be his defensive coordinator in the NFL, right? Like, what what would make him not qualified to be that guy? So... That's a little bit weird. <laughs> like that's just all of that is kind of strange. If if he's if Jim Harbaugh's taking an NFL job, then presumably Mike McDonald will be in line to get that NFL job. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then why would he like the Baltimore NFL job more than the Vegas NFL job with the guy that he's been working with and having success with? maybe he would. I don't, you know, I just don't know Mike McDonald that well. It just seems a little odd on the surface. Can they play Yamo B there to Uh, sway him? Thank you. That's a very good point. Yamo burned this mother down. Um, (laughs) There's going to be no Michael McDonald disrespect in this house. Michael McDonald is a, is a a blue eyed soul genius. I mean, the man is just everything you could ask for in a a musical performer. All that being said, I also don't know why Mike McDonald, if Jim Harbaugh leaves, wouldn't necessarily be a candidate to become the next Michigan head coach. I, I don't really I, – I, I get that, like, maybe if you're Michigan, you just think you can hire – you can shoot for the stars. But the reason why Michigan ever became anything is because they figured out how to play defense. It sure as F wasn't their offense. It had zippy to do with that. It was because they had a dominant defense this year, and you have this young coach – I would I would just think that perhaps that would be someone much like what Notre Dame did in elevating to replace Brian Kelly. I would think that Michigan would want to consider that too. All that being said, it's kind of all over the place. There's not any one individual trait that is particularly unique to the candidates that we have known about. Uh, some people have pointed out that both, like Chris Richard in particular, is known for front four pressure and that it looks like the Ravens right now are talking more with 
four three guys than three four guys. That that's where it is that they're going. That they think that the future of their defense philosophically is as a four three group that needs to get more pressure up front. I think a lot of people share that opinion. I think that I've heard that a great deal. That that's there were people that had issues with Brandon Williams because Brandon Williams didn't make plays in the backfield. He didn't disrupt quarterbacks because that wasn't his job. In a 3-4 defense, his job was to take on the double teams and allow the linebackers to make tackles, and he was unbelievably good at it. So if that was your issue, and if you think the Ravens should move on from Brandon Williams, then you probably line up with the idea they should be running a 4-3 defense where the front four are more responsible for trying to get after the quarterback, where you put higher priority on someone whose job alone is win your matchup, go get quarterback on the ground. I'm guessing. I'm guessing that's the way that you feel. What does that do for your run defense? Find out. Somebody would say, is, it as, is that as important at this point? you got to beat Joe Burrow for the next few years, yeah. right? Like, and Joe Mixon. That's fair, and Joe Mixon, but at the end of the day, they're winning or losing based on what Joe Burrow does, yeah. right? Like, I'm not saying you don't have to stop the run. You don't, you're not going to face the run, anything along those lines, but you got to get quarterbacks on the ground, and specifically, this one quarterback looks like the guy that you're going to have to get after. I don't, it, the funny thing is, I don't have a strong opinion about it one way or the other. I probably line up more with the, whatever the scenario is where you're trying to develop pass rushers. I have never been I, – I like Wink Martindale. I think he did a fine job for the most part in Baltimore. Obviously, this season was not great. And analytically, there were great arguments for build your defense through your secondary. That from an analytical standpoint, there was a great argument for that. But I keep looking around and seeing the success the teams are having that are at times carried by one strong pass rusher whether that's Nick Bosa in San Francisco, whether that's been T.J. Watt legitimately carrying the Pittsburgh Steelers into the postseason this year when they couldn't do anything on the other side of the ball. And I say to myself, "Mm, I just don't know. I don't know that in the modern NFL when a team gets the ball back late in the game and you have to win, I don't know that the play can be made via a secondary any longer. I think you can have a really good defense that's better and analytically better because of your strong secondary. But at the end of a game, when someone needs a stop, when you have to make a play, I am more and more convinced. What was the one time that happened this season? Adafi Owe getting in the backfield making a play. Mm -hmm. I am more and more convinced that that has to come from someone being disruptive in the backfield. I just don't think that you can do it, and I think the nature of football is you've got to win games. You've got to almost assume that you're going to be playing close games, likely high-scoring games. The Ravens, if they're sticking with Greg Roman, are presumably going to keep trying to run the ball and be dominant, but you're going to need stops at the end Someone has to step up and make a play when the opposing team has four downs in order to convert. And in order to do that, you need to be disruptive in the backfield. You need to have a big yard yardage loss type of play in order to do what you need to do. And I think that comes from dynamic pass rushers. And I just don't know 
that the Ravens and what they were doing was best suited for having dynamic pass rushers make plays in the backfield. So my gut tells me that's the right way to go about doing this based on the, the way that modern football exists. Could be wrong. I Believe it or not, I've been wrong before. But it's just sort of what jumps off the page at me and why I probably line up with this idea that that's the direction they need to go. We'll see. Um, I think that I, I somebody saw, I think it was maybe Josina Anderson's report, suggested that they want to try to get this taken care of within the week. So we will see how that plays out. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. You want to be there for the big game in the FanDuel Sportsbook. There's nowhere quite like Live Casino Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook. You want to hang out and you want to live in just an intense atmosphere for the big game. The place to do it is Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook. You got to get an email to events at sportssocialmd.com right now in order to guarantee your spot for the big game. Like you just know it's, there's going to be a lot of demand. There was an insane scene when we were there on Sunday for the divisional playoffs. It's going to be just like that, if not even more for the big game. So email events at sportssocialmd.com right now. And they have so many great offers. Like if you go down this weekend for championship weekend, they're doing a thing where if you bet a $25 same game parlay at one of their kiosks, even if you lose, they're going to enter you in to win a huge grand prize including a 75-inch TV and tickets to the home opener next year and all of them. I mean, it's just insane. They have so many awesome things happening in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Get down there. Check it out. Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Good morning, Drew Forrester. How are you, sir? Yes, sir. I'm here. What's why, happening? Why were you? Uh, we got, we got, there's something wrong with the phone. Hang on one second. Oh, 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 hit, my, hit mute. Hit mute. Fix that. Thank you. And then... Let's try that. It, you just got to make sure it's hung up, and then you got to bring me back up too, because no, and then yep, reintroduce the phone, and we'll see if we can't get that fixed. Go uh, ahead. Oh, Drew, you there? Yeah. yeah rookies. Yeah, apologies. Rookies. Apologies. Yeah. All right. Um, why It'll were, take a while. It'll work. It's fine. Everything's fine. Why were you at the Wizards game last night? Why in oh. God's name would you go to? Oh my God. You know, I was my once. I don't think I had been since I took a group down to see them play um, Curry and Durant the year that. The, the Warriors went like 80-2 and two or whatever they went. I hadn't been in forever. And um, it was, you know, business kind of, sort of. A friend of mine had a suite, and we went down and, you know, hung out, goofed around, drank some wine with people, and had a good time. And the game was insane. Um, I, mean, I mean, it was historical. I mean, insane. The third insane. time yeah, right? in 30 years, 26 years, that a team's blown a 30-point lead. Correct. That happened. That happened. They ended up and losing. And all they had game. to do was throw the ball inbounds, get the ball inbounds. There would have been a foul. Now, they weren't actually hitting their foul shots very well. They couldn't even get the ball inbounds, and that's how Kennard hit the final shot. Well, okay, but you also, like, at that point when you've blown a 30-point lead. Like, oh, yeah, you know, your head is, 100%. like, off. Like, there's just no way. Yeah. Now, look, I'm not going to pretend like I watched the game, nor have I watched any Washington Wizards game. It just doesn't do anything for me, but. Um, it was crazy. I mean, it. it you know, every this happens once a year. You see a sporting event, and you say, and I use, I'll, you know, I use this in coaching, but you see a sporting event once a year, and you say, that's why I'll never again say the game's over. 
Well, it's why you shouldn't be betting on sports either. But yeah, oh, gonna, no doubt. But you're going to do that anyway. <laughs> but you, you, this, this is another reminder. Like, no matter what you think, the game is not over. They yeah. were ahead by 35 points. And by the way, this is the type of thing that we, we, like, I bring this up constantly when people are like, you're up by four touchdowns and you still have Lamar Jackson in there at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I'm like, there's still 15 minutes left in the game. Right. I understand this team isn't coming back. I know that. You know that. It's the same not it's the same reason why it was so ridiculous with I, Vic Fangio was absurd and he, it was r- unbelievably over the top what he said, but John Harbaugh was full of crap too when he said what he said about Vic Fangio. Well, they're still throwing the ball with uh, with 20 seconds left. Of course they are. It's a two possession game. They have to. You have to right. try cuz you never know what's going to happen in sports cuz sometimes teams blow 30 point leads in basketball games. And this or- or you just got to let me know how we decide right. that we're not playing anymore. Right. If, if we, wave, if we wave, get together, wave. correct. If we get together and right. we all decide together, it's it's over. We're not trying any longer, right? Like, it was absurd. I, I, I go back to this. It was absurd what Vic Fangio said. But it was equally absurd John Harbaugh trying to say, well, they were doing things in garbage time. No, that wasn't garbage time. They still wanted the one in a million chance to win the football game at that point. Was right. it one in a million? Yes. It was one in a million that they were going to score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion, kick an onside kick, throw a Hail Mary, get another touchdown, and, and, and get another two-point conversion. But you don't stop trying. You don't just say, well, it's... Unless you wave over to me right, when it's say, the top of the ninth inning, yep. and you're, you got a runner on second, and you're losing, or first, and you're losing nine to two, unless you want to wave over and say, hey, we're not going to try to steal here. Yep, we're done. We're done. We're, pack- right. we're packing it in. We're packing right. it in. Everybody on board, right? We're all right. good. Unless you do that, we're going to assume. And this was, this was my argument against people who wanted to beat up the Chargers coach. This was my argument against them. The, the, the Raiders were trying to score there. Correct. 100%. Correct. They wanted to win the game. They were trying, and... They're, Anyone who says they weren't wasn't watching. Well, and they were they, trying to score because they didn't want to go play in Kansas City. And by the way, there would have been a limit to that. There, there was a certain range. If that kick had oh, been, 100%. say, 60 yards, they might have said, nope. We're not going to do we're, it. We're not doing that. And also, by the way, if they wouldn't have run for seven yards on the first down, right, they might have also said, you know what? Not mm, worth it. Second yep. and nine, we've got to throw the ball, and, well, we're not going to do that. 100%. 100%. So, like, this notion that these this coach, like, he, he, you know, when he called the timeout, of course he called a timeout. They were still trying. Correct. Correct. <laughs> you, Correct. He, you're, you're, now you're in the shotgun. You've run two plays, and you're in the shotgun, and I, as the coach of the Chargers, say, holy hell. They're right. still trying. Yeah, we got to stop this. And, and, I don't have the right, and I don't have the right guy. Correct. We expected them to just keep running the ball. Now they're lining up in a shotgun. we got to be prepared right. for this. <laughs> um, right. it, it, look, man, this is the danger of people thinking that they know more than they actually do when it comes to this. I've said the smartest thing, and I'm not very smart, right? I, I, I'm the first to admit that. I'm not a very smart person. Right, this, I would agree. The, uh, thank you. The smartest mm-hmm. thing I've come around to is being able to acknowledge I don't know a lot of things. I right. don't know. I am not, it's why I'm not, the people, and I, I mean this with no disrespect, the people that hand out grades to football players are frauds. And, and they're nice people, and I get it, they're getting a lot of attention, and they genuinely believe that they know what they're talking about. They have no 
effing clue what they're talking about because they are not privy. This is because I gave Bowser a B plus and not an A. Well, I don't know why you would have given him a B plus. <laughs> I don't really understand that. No, I mean like the in-game grades. I don't the right. grades. The, the people that are like this guy was a was an eight out of ten for the football game. You have no right. clue what that person was supposed to be doing on that particular play. You do not have that information. You think you do because you think you know a lot about football. You're like, well, they were running this. Except for the fact that you don't know that. Right. You're, you're well, I mean, I've always said this, right? Like, and I, 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 I mean, I'll say this because it's the truth, and I, my parents all know it. Like, I say to my parents at the beginning of every golf season, I get my parents together, we have a, a coffee, and I tell them how excited I am to coach their young son, and I'm privileged to do it, and I'm thrilled, and I'm looking forward to a great year. And when the season begins, technically, the season begins when we come back from the holiday break. But for the purposes of the season, it begins on February the 19th, because that's when the MIAA says the spring sports season begins. From February 19th until the end of May, till the season ends, I will not speak to you, the parent, about your son's playing time. Never. I will speak with your son every day. Mm -hmm. Every day. Mm -hmm. If your son wants to come to me and say, hey, coach, help me, evaluate me. Why didn't I play? Why aren't I playing more? When can I play? How do I play more? I will talk to your son every day about that. But I will not speak to you about that. And the reason I'm not going to speak to you about that is very simple. Rule number one, you're not there. That's it. You're not, you're not at practice every day. That's it. You don't see how your son plays on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday, what you get is the abridged version from him. Right. Correct. Which is what I get from Ethan when I pick Ethan up at swim practice and I say, how did it go? He says, it went great. I say, well, tell me what your schedule was today because we swam, we swam 2050s. I'm like, dude, that's a lot of swimming. He's like, yep. Did you finish it all? Yep. You had a good day? Yep. Now, I might say to the coach, how did it go? The coach might go, well, 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 Ethan made all 20, but it took him an hour. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but there's the difference, right? right? right. You, you, like, this is the version you get. And so it goes back to your point. Like, you're, you, you're not there. Yep, correct. People are screaming about, uh, what's the running back's name that got in three times and everyone thought was great um, what? for the Ravens. That got in three? What are you talking about? People were screaming about oh, this Tyson Williams, back. right. Right. Yeah, Tyson Williams. They're, they're yeah. all talking about him like he's Gale Sayers. Yep. And, and, and I, I'm thinking, like, have you seen a practice? Have you seen one practice yep. where they say to him, run this, you know, run the ball through this gap or go here or go there, and he doesn't do it? Yep. And Harbaugh stops the practice and says, when are you going to figure this out? Because if you can't yeah, but, figure it out on a Tuesday at Owens Mills... Yeah, but, but he looked really you, good in the preseason. You're not figuring it out on... Right. Yeah, but you're not really figuring it out on Sunday game. against the Steelers. I, I, 100%. 100% with you. And the, and the notion that, that teams are just willing... We, we know this guy is great, but we're not going to put him on the field because we don't want to win. Correct. Like, yeah, well, I, I, I think I'd rather lose today. It's one of the most amazing things. It's right. absolutely incredible how convinced we are that that's a thing. We are convinced that, that uh, there are personal agendas, and the personal agendas are more important to the coaching staff than winning football games. Yeah, it's, I don't understand why they don't why they don't play him at shortstop. Yeah, if they played him, we'd win. That's the way it goes. That's <laughs> the way that it goes. But anyway, so the game yeah. last night, insane. Um, I, you know, it's my 
there, there were 7,000 people there at the most. I mean, I, um, I can't believe it was that many. I mean, like, I've uh, never, yeah, they announced like 13,000 or something, but there I've, were 7,000 people I've there. I've never, I've, I've gone to, you know, this is part of, I've gone to maybe three Wizards games in my life. Like when the Suns have been in town, I'll go, right? And I just keep thinking to myself, like, how does this work? And and is it that the NBA is like Major League Baseball at this point, where it, the TV deals are, are lucrative enough that it doesn't matter, it, that nobody's at the games, right? But, like, I've never right. in my life, other than, you know, the, the, the one year they had um, they had Paul Pierce, it looked like maybe a couple people were at the games, in the playoffs, anyway. Right. Like, outside of that, I've never... Uh, like we'll we'll joke about I'll joke about how we could never talk about the Wizards in Baltimore because nobody in Baltimore cares about the Wizards. And the first thing I'll say afterwards is nobody in DC cares about the Wizards. What's like, amazing, right, right, right. What's amazing about you know, and I, I mean, I do watch a little bit. I don't watch much. I I do watch. Um, you know, I try to watch a game a week somehow, some way. Like twenty minutes. Golden State's playing somebody. And it's late, and I'm writing, and I'll put it on. But it's mostly white noise. But it's really amazing how good these dudes are, how they shoot the ball. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. I that. Yeah, it's different. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, now, I don't understand. <clears throat> there was a, <clears throat> I don't know, I don't get this. There was a huge following of Clippers people there last night. That's weird. There were, I mean, there were, That's the, weird. the whole lower, the whole lower deck was, now I say filled, there were a couple of hundred Clippers fans there. I, I mean. Now, is that because of Kawhi, uh, Kawhi yeah. Leonard or, or. Yeah. I don't even know why, but there were a lot of people there. It was weird. I I don't I don't get that whatsoever. I don't get it at all. I could not possibly tell you what that's about. All right, let's. The talk only about thing it. that Bradley Beal couldn't do on the last thing was foul a guy. Well, you know, it, it just don't foul him. I don't. I, I mean this. I didn't watch. I don't care. I just know that they blew a huge lead. No, no I didn't that's bet it, so I'm happy. Yeah, right. You're good. You're good. That's the way <laughs> it goes. Um, where are you as far as your level of surprise about Wink Martindale and, you know, the whole, the unspoken part, the part where they did it at six o'clock on a Friday night, the part where John Harbaugh still hasn't spoken to the media. Does any of that bother you? I was going to write about, I was kind of sort of write about, I mean, I've written about the Wink thing. I'm going to write about the other stuff tomorrow. So I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I, I, I would say this. First of all, I think that John, the fact that John hasn't spoken before the end of the season, or since the end of the season, would tell you two things. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping no big news breaks today so that this can be my, you know, air quotes here, hot take for tomorrow. The fact that he hasn't talked yet to the media tells me there is definitely some unfinished business going on. That's what I think. He doesn't have the answers, because he knows what the questions are going to be. He doesn't have the answers to them yet. So that would be number one. Um, do I think it's right or wrong that he hasn't spoken on the media yet since the season ended? Patently wrong. No question. He should be speaking to the media. That said, I, I think there are a lot of moving parts, and this goes back to what you and I just said, that we don't really know what's going on there. Right. Right? I think they were kind of waiting to see what happened, how Joe Ortiz got flushed out. Is he in? Is he out? I think they were waiting for that. I think they're waiting to find out what's going to happen with some of these other coordinator situations or other candidates like left, which is an example who I know now, I guess is going to wind up in Jacksonville. Like how do all of these moving parts, because you know, this one dude gets fired. When one guy gets fired, six people lose their job. And now there's seven openings mm -hmm. and people are moving around. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would say that that's, what's holding them up. Um, I, I also think John after whatever it's been, I don't even know, 14 years, 
is probably there was a time in John's career, kind of like there was a time when you and I were together on the radio where we liked going down there. Yep. Right. Yep. That's fair. Yeah, it's fair to say that there yeah, was a time in our there was a time when you and I liked going to work the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. We looked forward to it. Yeah, it was. I mean, we were, and then yes. as time went on and we got taken advantage of, and you know what? Why don't you guys just do six to six? Mm-hmm. We'll do it. We'll do it yep. because what the hell else are we going to do? Yep. Right. Yep. Like Springsteen when um, Ed, whatever his name is, said, "Why do you keep touring when you're 64?" Springsteen said, "What else am I going to do?" Right. Like. What else are we going to do? We're there. We're at the Super Bowl. You want us to work six to six in Phoenix? We'll or we'll do it. Or four to four, as it turned out. We'll we'll do it. But like after a while, we got tired of it. Yep. We got tired of getting taken advantage of. Got tired of being harangued about meal money, and we just got tired of it. Yep. So I I would submit that John might be tired of it, and that's not to say that that's not to say that he's right for delaying it or kicking the can down the road. But there's also a time when John liked it. Like I'll go out there and I'll. I'll explain to these guys what we're all about. And now he's realized, and you can blame the internet for this and social media, he's now realized that no matter what he says to the media, he's going to get crapped on by the fans. So that's uh, just a short way of saying that that could be a, a component of this. That John's just kind of tired of doing it. Because Steve's definitely tired of doing it, right? Oh, I mean, I think I assume they all are. Right, <laughs> right. right. There's, now there's, again, there's no you got to kind of you got to kind of suck it up, and you right. got to do have, it. You have to do it exactly. You got to right. do it right. right. But my my overview from this thirty five thousand feet above sea level is my overview is they don't have anything to say yet, and John is now maybe well, it, if Kevin Byrne were there, they right. would have said that already. Right, they would have said, and Kevin used to do this privately. Kevin would call you or I and or bump into us over there and say, hey, real quick, just so you know, because I heard you on the radio yesterday pissing on John. Right. Listen, we're going to do something. We're just we just waiting. don't have anything yeah. yet to talk about. But when we do, we'll get everybody together. Got it? Got it, Kevin. Now, I haven't been around long enough to know or recently to know if that's kind of the way it still is with Kevin not there, but that's something Kevin would have done. He would have said, hey, listen, take it easy. We're, we're going to do something. I'll give you this information. I can remember Billick specifically saying to me, and I think you, or it might not have been, you might not have been there at the time, telling me something about Chris McAllister and saying, if you ever repeat that on the air, I'm done with you. Right. But I want you to know, because I heard you say something on the air, I want you to know this is what happened with McAllister. Now, how do you feel? And I said, I, I feel like a horse's ass. He said, correct. Now you know. So you don't have to say it anymore. But yeah. don't ever say that I told you this. Right, of course. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Right, 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 of course. So of course. I, I think, so that's the answer to number one. Number two, am I surprised about Wink? Um, I, I'm not really, because I think we all sort of know what happened. They didn't really fire him. Wink said, uh, how am I, you know, where am I at? I got one year left. Where am I at? And, you know, John said, I, I, we're not sure. We're not sure where we are. Like, we're, we're going through the paperwork and figuring it out and trying to figure out how we lost six games in a row and how you couldn't get a de- your defense to make a stop at the end of the year. And I, I think Wink probably just said, look, I might only do this five more years. I, I need to know what's going on. And I can, and he knew, because there's seven openings, he could probably go to Minnesota and write his own ticket or go to Jacksonville and write his own ticket. And I, I just think it became 
I'm not so sure it wasn't totally dissimilar to what happened in Maryland. I yeah, I don't. Uh, where I think John just John what didn't want to fire Wink. Right. Flat out say Wink, you're fired. But I also don't think John really saw Wink as the long term guy any longer. And look, here's the dirty little secret. And, and I think a lot of people know this, but I know you know this. Um, Wink got the job solely because of Terrell Suggs. Right. That's Suggs is the guy yep. that campaigned time and time and time again for Wink and um, went in and beat the, beat the drum for Wink. And, like, I'm not suggesting John didn't really want Wink, but Suggs was the guy who went in and pounded the table and said, this is the guy we want to lead the defense. And I, I don't know that that's germane to this or not, but I, I'm not saying John didn't want Wink. I just think the time was right. I, I really do. I I don't think it's strange that it happened then. I think there was an evaluation that went on, and it might have been a little bit of pride where Wink was like, you're questioning me? Right. Like, do you see the injuries we had? You're questioning me? Like, you know, those guys all have huge egos, and I'm I'm not really that surprised about it, and I can't imagine that Greg Roman's going to be gone now when we're, you know, three full weeks removed from the end of the season, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if next Wednesday John had a State of the Ravens thing and said, hey, this morning we let Greg Roman go. That wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me to, you know, to your point, right? Like, why, why would it be any different now than it was last, you know what I mean? Like, wh- why now, right? But why was it last Friday with, with Wink Martindale, right? Why did it take two weeks to get to that point? Nothing would shock me. That's sort of what I said. I don't think there's anything, con- the reason why... I'm not bothered is because I just don't think these things are controversial. I've tried to say this a million times. Coaching changes happen in football. They just do. They happen in a lot of places. And it's for any number of reasons. To your point, contracts. To just, you know, there being two people that for whatever reason really can't get along and you need those people to be able to get along and they can't. Sometimes it's acknowledging, hey, look, we expected more out of you. And right now, for the Wink, I do think the Wink-Martindale conversation has to include the Dude, what is going on that Yannick Ngakwe was nothing when you had him, and everywhere else he's been, he's been an unbelievably high-level football player? Sure. What is going on that Zagarius sure. Smith was so much better when he got to Green Bay than he, when he was here? What is going on that Matt Judon was a more dominant figure when he was in New England than when he was here? What, what is that? And is that what's best? And the quick answer is, well, it's the system, right? Like, those systems allow for those guys to do one thing, and we don't do that here. And at some point, as I was just saying, I, I think you got to acknowledge that the way that the NFL has changed, you can talk about the analytics and the, the ability to have a strong secondary, but in terms of needing to get a stop at the end of the game, needing one stop from your defense at the end of the game, no matter what the system was that got you there, no matter what happened during the course of the game, how good your defense was, how many of these games are coming down to can you get one stop? And the way to do that is not typically with a secondary. There's not a whole lot that a secondary can do when you uh, the other team has four downs to try to go win the game. You almost have to get that from having an impact edge rusher on the field who makes a play in the backfield. Like, and takes them out of, instead of having first and 10, they've got second and 18. And that seems to be about the only way that you can win those types of games. And I do think that walks in line with, was this system what was best for us to try to win these games at the end where we needed one stop to try to win the game? And I totally think that's agree. a relevant conversation. Totally, one million percent agree. And I, and, I, and I would say to you, 
I would say that the likelihood of the exact that that ninety seconds that you just spewed out is exactly what John said. You know, exactly meaning paraphrasing what John might have said to Wink. Like, okay, we're doing our coaching evaluations. Come on in, Greg. Blah 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 blah. Here we go. Come on in, whoever, whoever, whoever. Chris Hewitt, come on in. Okay, Wink, come on in. And replay your 90 seconds and Wink saying to John, dude, if you don't want me, I'll, right. I'll roll. Right, right. This is what I do. And it's, I don't know if you know, I'm, I'm pretty good right. at it. This right. Is, and look, this is, and it's really funny you brought this up because I think it's very relevant. Like, this is, and again, I'm not comparing high school golf coaching to NFL coaching. I'm comparing coaching in general rules. In general, in any sport, anywhere, every coach has nuances, right? My nuance in golf for junior golfers is stay away from caffeine. It's no good for you. You don't drink caffeine when you play golf at Coward Hall. And if you don't like that, and if drinking soda means more to you than playing golf, then drink soda. Right. Like, I'm not budging on that. And the athletic director who takes over for Lou, may come to me and say, dude, that's a stupid rule and you got to get rid of it. And then we're going to have a problem. Right, correct. Like, it's, it's your thing. Yep, 100%. I, and, and I'm just using that as one small, I mean, I've got a lot of practice things in junior golf and a lot of golf application things that I won't budge on. Like, you think hitting it 300 yards is important, you're right. What's more important is you getting the ball up and down from 60 yards. No, it's not, Coach. Yes, it is. And it, and if you can't get the ball up and down from sixty yards, I don't care how far you hit it, you're not playing for me. Like yeah. we have those things. Yep. And I think what you described is, is very, very much a possibility that John said to Wink, "Help me answer these questions." Mm-hmm. If I get them from Steve, right? When I go down there, if I get this question from Eric or Steve, give me an answer. Yep. How did Ngakwe go have twelve sacks somewhere else? And look like Roderick, um, the, the kid, that, the other linebacker we had once, who was terrible. Roderick how, Green, how, yeah, right. Roderick, Roderick Green. Green, like how? Did, how did it, explain it to me? Just you may have a very, very good explanation for it. And as a coach, you you probably should know this answer. And like, how did this? How could we not get off the field at the end of these games? Explain it to me so that I have an answer for Steve. And if and if that happened, and Wink might have definitely just said, like, dude, just let me roll then, right? If you, right. if you don't think I can, if this is not, if you don't think I'm right for you, yep. and it, you know, I'm, money is all relative, right? It's easier for you to say that when you've made millions of dollars. Of course, of course, and, when, easy, you, and when you know you're going to get another get job, job somewhere, right? Exactly, right. right. Like, so, look. I, and that's why I went back to it at the beginning. Like, I don't think John walked into Wink and said you're fired. I really don't. I do believe that when John said, and it's funny because he uses productive. After several days of productive beans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, they weren't very productive for <laughs> How Wink. productive could they be? <laughs> but I do think... In a really John, good conversation. I was like, I think we'd be better without you. It's like your girlfriend saying, it's <laughs> right. like your ex-girlfriend saying to all the girls to dance. Glenn and I had a lot of productive conversations over the last three days, and I decided to date someone else. <laughs> I decided I like Jim better. <laughs> right, yeah. It was productive for you, but not for him. But I think... Other than the, other than that, the the nuance of that word, I think John was telling the truth about you know we had several days of meetings, and it just it, it kind of came out in the wash. Right. And I think I think you I think your thing was perfect. Like the, 
all of these things have been going on, and all we want to know is like, A, do you have an explanation? B, how do we change it? Right, right. And is that is it some? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing for, to hear right. us say and, if we and, pay if we pay Lamar Jackson, we might not be able to have a strong one on one corner on the outside at all times? It it just we might not have the money to do that. So are you willing to listen to the idea that we might have to go about generating pressure in a different way? And and if that's not if you say no this is what I do you you have me this is what I then then you just might need to do it somewhere else you just might need to go you know the, as you point out Jacksonville's going to have a, a a lesser paid quarterback for the next four years right like maybe go down there and they've got some more money to spend on cornerbacks for you right like maybe whatever it is whatever it is all right let me yeah let me, I, I believe it. and by the way the Friday thing the 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 news dump thing I don't really put much stock in that I, I think that. I know that's the fancy term we all use, and I used it on Saturday morning. Like, hey, you know, it was a news dump. But it, I think the internet has ended the theme of I news dump. Now, I, I, I will I, say, I disagree with that. I di- okay, but I, w- I will say this, uh, and to counter that, I do think, and my my data would show this. My own data and my own business would show right. people are less engaged on the weekend. Correct. That is definitely true. One thousand percent less yeah, engaged. Yeah, that, that, with, that with is anything that isn't with anything that isn't the game itself. The game if we, itself. If we dump this Friday at six, yep. The talk shows can't talk about it till Monday. Yep. And by that time, there's a million other things for them to talk about it. And, right. Correct. And by the way, I, all, I do think that matters. All we talked about on Monday was overtime. <laughs> like that's all we talked right. about it was right. overtime. So I do, I do think that that's relevant. Yep. I don't know, and I would say this with all due respect to everybody who does it for a living, including you and I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure the teams put a whole lot of emphasis anymore on what is said about them and, and what they hear because they have their own platform now to get everything out the way they want it to get out. But And it's different, I think, than it was 15 years ago when we would walk into the building and if they won, everybody was like, hey man, I had a good to see you, want a piece of pizza? And if they lost, they said, dude, you're kind of hard on us today, weren't yep, you? Yep, like, they used yep, to listen every day. Yep. I mean, they, they no, had I, a look, person I, employed. Correct. They, they had a person employed to listen to the radio shows. Correct. And to this point, Twitter might be even more important than what's you know happening on a talk sure. show in town. I, I sure. just don't know that it's the same thing. But I still think that in their mind, they'd rather not on a Thursday, there's a chance that that sneaks in for a couple of seconds on the stupid Skip Bayless show, right? And the Skip right. Bayless show starts some, oh, is there is there an uproar in Baltimore? Is there? And they just sort of say, you know, if we can avoid that, if we don't have to have that be something, because there's no chance but my Monday they're talking about it on the Skip Bayless show. If we can avoid that, because then when that happens, they tweet it out and dumb people on Twitter run. The dumb people on Twitter were attacking Ryan Mink this weekend. There right. is no more pro-Ravens right. person on the planet than right. Ryan Mink, right? right. Like... I, we're so dumb. We're just so dumb right. as human beings that they say, how do we limit how many dumb people can run with this? How do we limit that in any way? And I think that might be the way to go about doing it. All right, uh, let's cover a couple things really quickly. Uh, one, uh, Drew's appearance this week is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Uh, we all love Glory Days Grill. Um, uh, Drew, of course, loves Glory Days Grill, maybe even more than I do, which is saying something. Um, uh, because I love Glory Days Grill. The smoky thigh wings are... it. 
they are an act of God. I'm telling you, there is something about the smoky thigh wings. I never need normal wings again in my life. I can just eat the smoky thigh wings at Glory Days Grill for the rest of my life. They're that good. Um, the house-made meatloaf, the grilled meatloaf sandwich, the short rib grilled cheese, all still available for a limited time because they're about to change the seasonal menu. So if you haven't taken advantage of that, I would get there very soon. GloryDaysGrill.com. Uh, quickly, we, uh, in, a, in a weird way, and unlike anything we've ever done before, uh, it took a, a few different trips, but we got everything down to Helping Up Mission on Monday. Oh, did, did, I mean, sorry, I didn't see you. Um, uh, we didn't. By the way, that's a fact. Drew and I did not even see each other. I had a legitimate 12-foot trailer stuffed so far that, like, we, honest to God, were like, are we going to be able to get everything in this? And I know that you had a bus of stuff that you brought down. I had down. a bus from Coward Hall, and I didn't even know this until... You remember, we, we took all the stuff upstairs um, and stored it at Glory Days, yep. and I had my Calvert Hall team come over Sunday and load it up into a Calvert Hall bus so that I would have it ready to go on Monday morning, and I didn't even know this. I have no idea who gave these to us. I don't know how they got where they got. I have no idea. I had two garbage bags full of brand new shoe, dress shoes. Oh, I don't remember who gave us the dress shoes two, either. Two, probably $2,000 worth of dress shoes. Wow. I don't remember who that was either, honestly. Blue, been... black, gray, great-looking, brown. Perfect. Brand new. Wow. Don't know where they came from. Have no idea who gave them to us. Nothing. Wow. Wow, that's remarkable. <laughs> that's really remarkable. I know. Um, and I know uh, your friends at Free State Electric brought a ton of stuff as well yep. on Monday. I mean, just an insane... Thank you all. Um, I know we didn't get to do the formal sort of event with the videos and the pictures that we normally do. And we like doing that so that you guys see it. But this is a promise. I promise you these things are getting to the people that need them. Um, that is the way they operated at Helping Up Mission. By the way, did he show you the, the women's shelter? Like it, yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's immaculate. Awesome. I had already seen it, but it's okay. awesome. It's immaculate, man. It is crazy. No, no doubt. That's unbelievable. So thank you all for that. I wanted to make sure we talked about it. And I'll give you one Would You Rather Wednesday, because i got to get to a break here before the top of the hour, but I'll give you one of the Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios. Um, are, you, are you at all familiar with um, the people that Patrick Mahomes surrounds himself with in his life? Are you? Yeah, well, I know. I've seen his girlfriend and his crazy brother. That's yeah, all I know. Right. Is that that's, who you're talking that's, about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. So, would you rather? I have good news. The Ravens are hosting next year's AFC Championship game. Okay. And that's great you, news. And you can sit in a suite at the game right next to Patrick Mahomes' wife and brother. Okay. Or you're stuck in your car listening to the game on the radio. Boy, that's a good one. Yeah. See, I, I, I guess I would say this. I'm a, I'm a blender. I, I, yeah. I would almost relish the fact to be next to them. Well, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'll, I'll sit next to them. And they better hope the Ravens don't win. <laughs> I mean, dude. I'll sit next to them. I'm dude, good. I, you and I are not in line on this one. There's just no way. I, that would, and it's really just the, the types of people that they are. Dude, when she sent that tweet this week, I said, oh. That's who you are. That's well, oh yeah, I mean, who that's, you are. Right, but I, I, I'll sit with I, him. I'm good. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. And like I, again, I think a lot of people are trying to get around this. We're like, I could just sneak off. No, you're being forced to sit right there with the two of them for the entirety of the game. There's no escape. There's no, well, I, it's a big suite. I can go. No, 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 no. You're trying to get around it. You have to sit right there with the two of them the entire time. In their conversations, in their antics, 
in all of it. At some point, they're going to ask you, hey, can you hold my phone while I dance? You're going to... Oh, I could do that, too. Whoops, there it went. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're allowed to say no if they ask you to hold their phone. And then then it becomes awkward. And then it becomes super uncomfortable because you're stuck with these insane people. Insane, bat-ass people for the entire time. I will not be a part of your jackassery. No, I will not hold your phone. Yeah, okay. And then you're just sitting there, right? And then you're just... It's just uncomfortable. That's it. It's just uncomfortable the entire time. You still have to deal with these people. You don't just get to get away with them or think that you're teaching them a lesson or something along those lines these are not reasonable people (laughs) these are not people that are like you and i they're people that believe the earth revolves around them that nothing she literally said i just wish i could do what i want to do without without being without being attacked like i just and it's just so telling it's so i want to be able to do everything that i want to do without there being any repercussions for my actions if I want to go spray champagne all over everyone, I should just be able to do that, and nobody gets to say boo about it, right? Right. That, if, that if, was uh, at some point, and I realized, like, maybe she's a good kisser. That Patrick's got to say to her, like, "Hey, yeah, what are we got doing? Right? <laughs> got to ease up a little bit. I'm the one making all the money, by the way. I'm, I'm hoping not, that, that's not you. All right. Uh, what's going on at DrewsMorningDish.com? Not a lot. We're just um, getting ready for this big week for the U.S. national team. So I'm excited Thursday night. I, they're really, they're really playing that match on Sunday at three o'clock. They're really doing that. That's and a, they're playing on Paramount Plus. I know. Well, that part, I mean, they're kind of used to that at this point. But they're doing it at three but o'clock. There's I, a I forget the running. order, but is it is it Honduras, Canada? Uh, yeah. And wait, no, I, is it is it Honduras? I thought it was El Salvador first. El Salvador, Canada, Honduras, or else, yeah, that sounds right. It's definitely Canada is the the Sunday match for Canada, sure. Canada's the away game, right? I think El Salvador and Honduras are the two home Yeah, games. it's El Salvador on Thursday or tomorrow, and then, yeah, Honduras next week. I mean, they, you know, they got everybody back except for Reyna. He's the only one missing. Tim, Tim Way is back. Um, they left John Brooks out of the team, which is kind of weird. But, you know, they've pretty much got their full team, and anything less than six points, anything less than six points is a disaster. I hear you. For them. I hear you. Now, this I mean, is... it wouldn't crush them, but it's – Unacceptable if they don't get at least six points. I hear you. This is still U.S. soccer that we're talking about. And if this they get nine, still... they're probably in. I would think. Yep. This is still. If they US win all soccer. three, they're probably in. Uh, yeah. If they win all three, they should be good. Uh, I would think. Yep. Right. right. What do they have right now? Fifteen uh, or seventeen? I don't even know. Doing this anyway. Thing? All right. Anyway. So that's what I'm excited about, and um, I uh, was kind of right there last week. San Francisco kind of kept me from going four and zero, but um. I'm looking forward to this weekend. All right. I good. think the games are going to be interesting. Very I good. don't think Kansas City is as much of a blowout winner as people think. Eh, okay. All right. All right. I, I hear you. I'm not, I have not decided where I'm leaning on that one, but we'll talk about it more. All right. Uh, Drew, All right. Drew, Drew, Drew Forrester at It's a Hooded Forearm on Twitter. Drew's MorningDish.com. Appreciate it, pal. See you next week. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. we got a busy uh, second hour of the show on tap. Um, Nenda Tark from Coppin State, John, the great John Miller, and Traveling Queen, who just made his NBA debut a couple weeks back. All that coming up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGAMBLER. 
gamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com the latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the show. If you missed it on Monday night, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, caught up with Don Stanhouse. That is available right now. Facebook.com slash Sports. Click on the Videos tab or go to PressBoxOnline.com slash video and you can find it there. Uh, great chat they had with the great Don Stanhouse. All right, let's uh, let's go through Would You Rather Wednesday. We got a lot to do this hour. Um, number one, Would You Rather Wednesday for today. Would you rather the Baltimore Ravens indeed hire one of their known candidates for defensive coordinator, whether that's Chris Richard, Joe Cullen, Joe Witt, any of the guys that are out there that we know are legitimately candidates for the job, or they stun everyone. And instead, they hire Ed Reed for the job. Ed Reed is my favorite football player of all time. Uh, he has to show me that he's been a defensive coordinator anywhere and can handle the well, job. He's, I, I, he's I, had some defensive coaching jobs. It's right, not, but he's never been a, de- a defensive okay, coordinator. Okay, I, I mean, the idea that if they would promote from internally, it wouldn't well, necessarily be someone who's a defensive coordinator. No, that, that's, that's true. That's true. I don't think becoming a defensive coordinator requires you to have had been a defensive coordinator no, no, before. Well, well, yeah, th- that's, yeah. 
I guess I don't know. Every's had what a couple of couple of defensive jobs. He's been a secondary. Wasn't he like a secondary coach for the Jets or the uh, Texans the or something? Bills, like that? I the believe. Bills. Yes. You know what? Screw it. Give me Ed Reed. Okay. <laughs> you I, just I, change your mind that quickly. Yeah, I, I love Ed Reed. He does. He he's a great defensive mind. He's one of the best players of all time at any position, and he has had defensive job defensive coaching jobs in the past. I think it, it would bring excitement to the team and. Nobody studies video better than than he and Ray Lewis, so I would imagine that he would instill that into his team. He's, Give me Ed Reed. He's currently working as chief of staff at the University of Miami, so not like a direct coaching job, but involved, obviously, very much with the coaching staff. Um, you know, this one's interesting. This one's it's, – it's interesting kind of how split it is. From uh, John Proctor, love me some Ed Reed. I'd be fine seeing him around again. Uh, from Mark, uh, Ed, but just for fun – from from KZ. Not Reed. He's a great player. Maybe the greatest Raven ever. Ooh, those are fighting words. But those type of players are usually not the best coaches. You know, a lot of them are not. Some of them are better suited not being a head coach, but in a more personal role. From Skip, uh, give me a known candidate, but the Reed choice is intriguing. This, I think, is the best argument, the one that's made by Ian. I'd be happy with Richard, Cullen, or Witt. I don't want to have to fire Ed Reed at any Ah. point. This is always the best argument for why you don't hire one of your own great players to a job like this is because at some point you might have to fire them, and that creates a great deal of awkwardness, like a significant amount of awkwardness within that relationship and you fracture it for the fan base and it becomes uncomfortable you don't get to see them around anymore it's the best argument you can make um for why you would not do that or what if he's so good he leaves for a head coaching position and then i mean then sure i mean like but but then it's the awkwardness of like at some point he comes in as a head coach of another team or whatever i it, it's a far better scenario than having to fire someone, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, you can hope that he just steps aside on his own at some point and just sort of says, hey, I'm I'm bored. I'm, I'm Ed Reed. I don't have to do this. I don't really want to do it anymore, right? Like, you hope that it would, it would be less acrimonious, but there is absolutely the possibility that, you know, you would have to fire him, and that's awkward. There's no getting around for that. It's an awkward thing. And it's the best argument for why you never hire a legendary, like an iconic legendary player. You have to fire Anthony Weaver, fine. You have to fire Anthony Weaver, right? Like, there are some people, I like Anthony Weaver a great deal. But that's more because I got to know him as a dude. As a player, he was just a guy, right? Like, if they were to hire Jim Leonard away from Wisconsin and they had to fire Jim Leonard, I know there's a, a bizarre percentage of Ravens fans that treat Jim Leonard like he's the greatest Raven that ever lived when he was One here for, for 20 seconds, right? Like, And was an okay player. Like that's He was a good player. But he wasn't special. He was a good player. So what? So you fire Jim Leonard. Life will go on, right? You fire Ed Reed. Eh, it becomes really, really difficult to overcome that type of thing. It's just not it's not impossible. It took a long time for, say, Ralph Friedgen to come back to the University of Maryland, right? But like at some point you were able to get him back. But you just don't want that. You don't want there to be a frozen relationship between your favorite team and a great player. It's not, a tough thing. Not to mention how how would John Harbaugh I mean, John Harbaugh will be definitely part of the hiring process. You know, it wouldn't just be oh, Eric Acosta. Right. Yeah. Does John Harbaugh want, want, want somebody that's going to come in and take all the limelight? And that's not to say that... Yeah, I don't that, think that's that. I don't that think John that would Harbaugh be a, a remote a, concern. The limelight you, you, means... Not, is but, not, but that's not, that was the wrong word. 
does he view his celebrity as a distraction? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know in what way. I, I mean, I don't know in in any way, in any way where. Yeah, Ed but Reed, that's what I'm at. Ed, like, where, what Ed, what is the way that it's a distraction to John Harbaugh doing his job? Ed, well, Ed Reed being part of your being part of your coaching staff, and maybe their defense is number one in the league, and everybody's calling for Ed Reed to replace. You know how Ravens fans are. Ed Reed to replace John Harbaugh. On the John Harbaugh line. has to deal with idiots right now. What, yeah. what, why does yeah. he care about some idiot thinking that somebody else should be the? You know what I mean? Just food for fodder, sir. I, like there were people that wanted Rex Ryan to be the coach once upon a time. There are a lot of people that yeah. thought that the Ravens screwed up. And inst- better not lose Rex Ryan. He's going to go be brilliant somewhere else. And you know he took two teams to AFC Championship games. And yeah, now, now he's uh, now correct. he's at home watching feet on his hundred percent. Right? Like they've been through this. There's this notion that like someone is so fragile. There was this thought once upon a time that uh, John Harbaugh wouldn't hire someone who was a former head coach. Right? Like couldn't couldn't do that until he did. And then he hired a bunch of them, and it was fine. Everything was all right. No worries whatsoever. So I just don't I don't buy into that. But the best argument I can make um, is that, you know, you just don't do it because at some point you might have to fire someone. You don't want to have to fire someone who means so much to you and your community. It's just not something you want to have to do. Continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio. We'll dive back into it as the morning rolls along. It's been a nice uh, couple of weeks for our next guest as uh, Coppin State has really gotten things turned around here of late. They always play this brutal non-conference schedule, but now in the conference play, they've won three of their last four, including his dramatic half-court buzzer beater against Morgan State and then another game winner to wrap an insane comeback on Monday night against Howard. It's a pleasure to welcome Nenda Tark to GCR. Nenda, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Uh, thank you for having me. A- Absolutely. Oh, hang on a second, Nenda. we got to get something fixed. I apologize. We'll get that fixed really quickly, and then we'll get back to Nenda Tark. It's just the phone is sitting a certain way that you just got to make sure it's fixed, and then we'll uh, pull Nenda Tark back up. And uh, uh, there we go. Nenda, sorry about that. How are you, man? You you there, man? Apologies. We had a bit of a technology issue there. I appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Hey, uh, and Nenda, tell me about these last couple of weeks, man. You know, like you guys go through this gauntlet as you always do at the start of the season, and everything's crazy. What has clicked as you've gotten into conference play that you guys have really started feeling good? Uh, We're just trying to come together as a team, uh, game by game. I feel like in the beginning of the season, we didn't really play to our potential, you know. You know, it was a new team, a lot of new pieces, so we're on a learning curve. But, you know, as we enter conference play, we're still getting – I mean, we're still trying to get better every day, but we're starting to hit a stride, and we're starting to maximize what we can be as a team. Nendi, you take that shot. That one. The, let's go back to the Morgan State game. Ten times, right? You had the same situation, same scenario. You take the exact same shot. How many of them are going in? Oh, ten? I probably. Oh I probably, man! No, no, oh no, 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 no! I was. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're I taking ten. Sorry, yeah, I was like, yeah, wow, yeah. wow! <laughs> you really have that Steph Curry range. Huh? <laughs> nah, I'm realistic. I, I'd say maybe one. Maybe you think that was the one, the one when you released yeah. that ball. One, were you certain that you had released it in time? And two, did you know out of your hands? Oh my God! I just did that. Well, for one, I I knew I released it in time. I didn't feel like rushed. I know it was only like 1.5 seconds, but uh, I'm pretty good with my internal clock. 
but then I thought it was off to the left, actually. Okay. Because I was moving to the right, I had to, like, put it to the left a little bit because of my momentum. And I thought I missed the left, but I knew the distance was good enough. But I just thought, like, you know, it was missed left and it was going over time. I mean, thankfully it wasn't. Thankfully, <laughs> that was yeah, accurate, I know. right? Yeah, crazy. No you, either. You've, I mean, you've taken, like, obviously, you're playing in high school, playing, you know, wherever you've been playing. Had you mm-hmm. ever, nothing that could compare to doing it right against Morgan State in a Cop and Morgan game, but had you yeah. ever had anything like that in your life? Like, had you ever hit a shot to win a game anywhere that was anything similar to that? No, nah, not even close. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, that that one ranks pretty high for me. You know, just because it's funny because like I take that shot in practice, and you always say like, "Oh, I'm, like I'm gonna do it in the game," but you never really think the opportunities. In the right. Game. So then, like the opportunity was just there, and I was like, "Let me just go for it." I mean, bro, like you'll have that for the rest of your life, man. Like you'll be sixty years old, and your grandkids will be like, "Were you any good at basketball?" And you're like, "It's really funny you say that." Let me show you something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, I've watched it a lot, a lot of, of times over. I mean, bro, I don't blame you. If I had done something like that, I would be the same exact way, man. I just be anytime somebody was like. And then, uh, you know, like, how's your day going? I'd be like, you know, funny question. Have you seen this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't really try to bring it up, but a lot of people bring it up. To me. I mean, so it's like, then I have to watch it a lot, too, because they show me, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I did it. Dude, dude, I mean, it's it's going <laughs> to be eternal, good. man. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And for it to happen against Morgan, of all teams, man, like, it's, yep, it's yep. just so cool. Nenda Tark is with us here on GCR. Uh, Nenda, and then let's talk about Monday night too, right? Like, holy crap, you guys, you're playing Howard. Things are not going your way. Um, yep. You're you're down by, I, and it only felt like about a billion. I think it was only what 26 <laughs> was the number. 26, uh, yeah. Yeah, 26 points. It felt it felt like it was a thousand. What what like what happens during a game like that? At what point do you say like, oh no no no, no we're not just showing fight. We're winning this game. <laughs> um. It, it all started with the coaches. You know, they didn't really, they didn't lose faith in us. They didn't lose confidence in us because you know, us being in that hole was a lot of it was it was a lot of it was self inflicted. Uh, we were leaving, giving their shooters open shots. You know, we weren't we weren't following. We were we were executing the game plan as well as we could have, and we put ourselves in the hole. But we know that, as you said, in the beginning of the season, we had a gauntlet, and. A lot of close games. You lost. Uh, we were on the wrong side of a lot of close games, and we just knew, you know, we're battle tested, so we're, we're resilient, and we're and we're gonna fight. So, at the end, we just knew if we just stuck with it, go on little runs, little runs here and there, we were gonna get back into the game. And it all started with picking up our defensive intensity. Yeah, and well, once you did that. You know, we were we were rolling, and that's how you finish it off at the end. Obviously, right? You yeah, make it, you make yeah. a defensive yeah. play, you turn it into a game-winning hoop, man. Like you're on quite the little heater right now, Nanda Tark. You, <laughs> you you don't happen to know what like the lottery numbers are going to be this week, <laughs> do you? Unfortunately, I don't. I don't. Man, it has I been. Wish a, I did though. Been a hell of a couple of weeks. Uh, Nanda Tark with us on GCR. I want to learn a couple things about you. I think uh, a lot of people got to know your brother, obviously, and yep. you know, and his rise here after he showed up at Coppin. Um, tell me about what it's like, you know, the two of you growing up and playing basketball. He's a couple years older. What was that relationship like, and and why why did Coppin make sense for both of you guys, 
as, you know, you're both guys that obviously, like, you know, he clearly had his eyes set on playing in the NBA. I'm sure you have the same concept. Yeah, that is the case. Um, well, starting when we were younger, we always used to play, like, one-on-one in the front. Or, like, we'd roll a ball up. I mean, roll a sock up into a ball <clears throat> and, like, shoot into a hamper. Like, different <laughs> stuff like that. So we were always kind of just, like, around basketball. Uh but we never really played on the team because we didn't know anything about that. So everything we did was just like with each other. And then coming here, it was like, okay, we have the opportunity to play with each other at a high level. So why not try to go for it? You know, it was definitely a fun experience. And then playing under coach Dixon, he, you know, he maximizes, he tries to maximize everybody's potential as a player. So us coming together was was something that I'm definitely never going to forget. I really really I, I did want to talk about that because uh, you know the people around here, they know Juan Dixon as a player, right? Like, you yeah. know, this unbelievable career locally at Calvert Hall on to Maryland into the NBA. But I still don't know that people around here fully know Juan as a coach because, unfortunately, as I'm sure you felt, not everyone gets out to Coppin State, which is a mistake. Um, yep. what, what should people that only know Juan as a player know about him as a coach and what it is that he's doing with you guys over there at Coppin? Well, I mean, firstly, he's a great person. Um, he looks out for you off the court, on the court, in any way he can. Um, he's really invested in players' development more than anything. He wants you to come here and become a better player and become a better man and become just better in all aspects of life. And he stresses that a lot. Um, I feel like on the coaching side, he just, he wants to win real bad, and he's going to try to put our team in a position to win and our players in a position to be successful while winning. I mean, right now, you guys, you know, obviously ended up making that run to the division title a year ago. You're off to a pretty good start in conference play this year. Got to feel pretty good about your chances going up against the rest of the MEAC the rest of the way, right? Yeah, we, I mean, we're always feeling good. We know that we're a talented team, deep team. At one through 14 can all play major minutes. Um, you know, as long as we do what we do, what we need to do on the defensive end and offensively, we know we have a good chance to win this thing. But it's it's really a day by day. Um, we're not looking too far ahead. Yep. You know, we're just we're staying where our feet are. No doubt, so man. At the, at the end of the day, we're just gonna uh, keep working in practice and keep getting better. Nendatark, what can we plug for you social media wise? Where can uh, Coppin fans be giving you a follow? Twitter, Instagram, anything like that? Yeah, I guess you can you can follow me on Instagram. It's my name, Nenda.tark. Okay. And then Twitter is the same. Twitter is the same. Give them, or you yeah. search that and it'll come up with is it is it at any Nenders with two S's and an underscore? Is that the handle? Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's my Twitter. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very yeah, good. I've, I've been meaning to change that actually. So, yeah, for now, it's. it's for now, it's Nenders. But just search yeah, Nendatark yeah. and you'll find him is the point. You'll, yeah, exactly, you'll find him if exactly. you give it a search. Yep. Hey, Nenda, congratulations, man. You know, what, a, what a crazy couple of weeks it's been, and I can only imagine how much fun it's been for you uh, being a part of uh, some crazy moments. Looking forward to seeing what's up for you guys the rest of the way. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us. Best of luck, and let's talk again soon, all right? Thank you. Nendatark from Coppin State. If you haven't seen the shot, we'll try to get that shared up on Twitter. I mean, just insane. Half-court buzzer beater in the biggest rivalry game against Morgan State. Just bonkers. Bonkers shot against uh, uh, Morgan 
two weekends ago, and then uh, the dramatic late steal and three-point play to finish a 26-point comeback against Howard on Monday night. It's been a really cool couple of weeks for Ninda Tark. Um, let's squeeze in one more for Would You Rather Wednesday before we grab a break. We'll do the one that we talked about with Drew. Would you rather, next year's AFC Championship game, you're sitting in a suite, but you're sitting with Mrs. Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes' brother. I don't even like saying his name because I don't want to give him the guy attention. Or you're stuck in your car listening on the radio. Is there alcohol? If I'm in a suite, I'm assuming that there's that there's alcohol. Um, yeah, but not you can't you can't drunk your way through it. Is the point you can't you, anything that allows you to cheat your way through it, well, it's, it's, it cannot it's, be it's done. You cheating. may have a beer, you may have, but you cannot like you can't get drunk to try to avoid the con the the situation. Well, it the, wouldn't be it wouldn't the be the point of it is the situation is the situation. There's no getting around it in any way. So it wouldn't be. To avoid the situation, it would be to attack it head on. It's the same concept. You, as you, have to deal with the situation. Me, as me. Yes, there is no, there is no changing anything. There is no anything along those lines. Oh man, you know what? Put me in the suite. Put me in the suite because if the Ravens win that game, oh my God, would I be in hog heaven? If the Raven, and if they lose, all right, I can just walk out after the loss. I don't have to stay there after the game, right? So if they lose, when they start getting start doing their TikToks and squirting champagne all over everybody, yeah, I, I don't think you're. I think you're vastly underestimating what being around these human beings for any amount of time is like. I glad I work in the restaurant. I industry, understand man. that, but you can walk away. I'm telling you, you don't get to do that. When you're working, you can walk away from the crazies. You can walk away for like ten seconds. That's fine. You can still walk away. I'm telling you, you are stuck with these people. You are in their trap. You're in their web. By the or, way, a lot of people aren't getting this. They genuinely people are trying to cheat their way out of this. Nah, like you are in their trap for three plus hours. I get to be in a suite at M&T Bank keep, Stadium. You keep hearing that for. The AFC Championship keep, game with the potential that the Ravens could win you, and I could be in hog heaven. You keep, I will you take keep that hearing risk. all of those things. You're just conveniently ignoring the other part of it. You're the, the, just the, conveniently ignoring... The two ignoring biggest jackasses in the, the Chiefs' I, kingdom are sitting next to me. And people that aren't reasonable human beings, that have no, are detached from reality, who... Any circumstance, if you were around, you would want to rip every hair out of your head being around them. It's torture. It's and, but the, but the, torture. Uh, the other option is being stuck in your I, car on a Snowden highway. I, 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 I by the way, I, I over. I'm just trying to. I literally put that in there to try to make it seem, to make you understand. You ha- you can't get out of it. I, I, like this is. I was trying to make people. It, you're not stuck there for hours upon hours. You just can't watch the game. You're just stuck having to listen to the game. I threw in the frozen highway part for the people that were going to try to cheat their way out of that one. This is the problem. By the way, you've all ruined this game is really what's happened. I hate all of you because you just try to cheat your way out of every scenario because you don't want to deal with it because you don't understand it's one scenario or the other. You keep trying to cheat your way out of it. Well, if I'm in a suite, I can just walk away. No, you can't just walk away. Well, I mean, I, 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 I could be in the car, but I could have my phone and I could just watch the game. No, I'm telling you, you can't do that. Like, I'm creating the parameters, and I have to consider all the ways you're going to cheat in a 200-character ta- tweet, and I'm sick of that. I'm sick of you just not being – it's not you, Paul. I'm saying you, all of you, just not being able to play an effing game. I, I, I think you are underestimating my sober ability to get on their level. 
And I, I, I don't know you mean. You think you mean get on their level, be un, an unreasonable human, be an awful person, be a terrible, wretched to, individual. To them, in response to them, I think I could do it. I think uh, I one hundred percent could do it, and I get to be in the suite at M and T Bank Stadium for the Ravens in the AFC Championship I game. Think you are. I, 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 I just think you're. I'm, wi- I'm willing. I'm willing to give it a shot. The awfulness of these human beings th- and how mu- this is torture. This is legitimately torture. No. I have no interest in being tortured you also for have, four hours. You also haven't met some of my ex-girlfriends. That might be true. By the way, we've all got a you know a, a <laughs> thing or two, a thing or two. I'm not signing up for any more of it. I'm no longer interested in torture. Being by myself actually sounds great. <laughs> I got two small kids. Yeah, rather, I'd actually rather watch the game with them. But I got two small kids. Being by myself for a little while, for a little while, is just all right. You ever see that just Family right. Guy episode where they they flash to this guy and he's like, "What a what a man in his forties who's recently divorced looks like," and he's in this like rundown apartment thing in one chair with his TV dinner right. in his underwear watching TV, and he looks around at this at this shithole and he goes. This is better. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I would rather this than deal with that ever again. Oh my god, that tweet! I had so many things I wanted to say about that tweet. It was yesterday. absurd. It was I, like absurd. it's just it's just you learn everything you need to know about a human being. You, everything you, I don't want to have to be responsible for my own actions. I don't understand why you guys think I should be responsible for the things that I do. I should just be able to do whatever I want. There should be no rules for me because I'm the wife of the quarterback. There should be no rules for me because I'm the brother of the quarterback and I do stupid TikTok dances. There should be no, I am more important than you are. You have to have rules. I don't. How do you not understand that? I'm entitled. I, the world is different for me. You, you peons, you peasants can do whatever you want to do, but I don't have to deal with those things. I'm not spending any. No, no, no. She literally has done nothing. Zero but zip. I mean, she, uh, from what I saw, she's a personal trainer, so that's cool. I'm not saying but, she's not. She doesn't have a successful business. I don't think she probably has things to offer to the world. Her, her and her I claim to fame is she met Patrick Mahomes when she was 15. Uh, basically, and, and, yes. And now they they've been together ever since. And, and God bless. If like I'm not. This is not. I I do not shame. I don't. We don't kink shame, right? Whatever Patrick Mahomes. Like, he, he fell in love with this this person, right? Like God bless. I have no interest, none, in spending any time, any time at all with these human beings. I I'm no, good. I have no interest in listening to the Ravens play in the AFC Championship game on my radio. I, I Brother, I understand where you're coming from. There's, if they lose, you're not going to remember it ever again. If they win, By the way, in hindsight, I'd probably rather listen to the AFC Championship game in 2008 than be sitting in the stands freezing my ass off in Pittsburgh, watching them completely be in, unable to move the and ball down the Willis field. Watching Willis McGahee get to Yes, uh, lo- loses life in the middle of the field. And only awful. score because of a couple of questionable pass interference calls. The only reason the Ravens scored any points at all in that football game. Um, if they win, there's going to be a Super Bowl, and I'll be just fine. I will not be stuck in my car for that, so life will go on. <laughs> That's the way that it will go. You hate these people so much. I can't, I cannot spend time with these human beings. And I think that those of you that are saying you can are just saying it because you don't want to think about it. You just are like, I can do it until you're an hour in and you're just like, oh my God, I would literally rather be in my car listening to the game right I, now. I, I've, I've seen some things, Glenn. I, I think I can I, trust spend me, three Paul. Hours. I've seen a lot of things too. And I've reached an age where I've said, I'm out. 
I'm out. There will be no more. I cannot suffer that any longer. If you can tell me you're paying me money. You could tell me I will pay. It's the same question. Would you take a job paying well to be their personal assistant? Nope. No. That's the point. I, no. Anything that involves. That's every day. You're talking three hours at the AFC But I'm talking about it's a seven-figure job. You got a seven-figure job being their personal assistant. Nope. Not doing it. No, no chance it. in hell. And it's the same concept. Could you I do it just, for a year? No. For seven figures no. and then get out? Telling you, for my mental health, I can't do it. No. I can't do it. All right. When we come back in, uh, someone who is a good person, the great John Miller is going to join us. Um, we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about, uh, obviously, David Ortiz got in, but Barry Bonds, once again, did not. Today's show is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. Use the code PRESSBOX when you sign up, and we will match up to $100 on your first deposit with free money for you to play with. Not only the football this weekend, but basketball, hockey, and if they ever start baseball, baseball too. UnderdogFantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy Football app. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota 
to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. So, yeah, we haven't talked about the Hall of Fame yet this morning. You know, it was predictable. Uh, David Ortiz did indeed get in. Um, No one else did. And that's, of course, very significant for a few particular candidates who are on their final year on the ballot, namely Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, and, of course, you know, maybe the greatest player in the history of baseball, Barry Bonds. Um, you know, they will, I did not realize the way that lines up is the next today's game era is, is this year, literally this December, the today's game era committee will take up this group of players. And I can't gauge if there's a consensus as to how, because it's made up of a, it's a, it's an interesting group. The last committee included Jim Palmer, for example, um, I don't know how they'll feel about these particular candidates, but I know it's nonsense, and it's it's unfair true to, to David Ortiz, who is a deserving Hall of Famer. This It's not as deserving as any of these guys are, but he's a deserving Hall of Famer and shouldn't have to uh, basically apologize in his own acceptance for getting in when players that were better than him didn't. That's, that's not fair to him either. I want to talk more about Barry Bonds, and it's really an honor to catch up with our next guest. It's been a while, of course, um, was one of the voices of my childhood and someone who, frankly, inspired me to get into this business once upon a time and um, wish that we had got to keep him in Baltimore forever, but he has become synonymous with the San Francisco Giants, of course, a Ford Frick Award winner. He is the Hall of Famer himself, the great John Miller, and he's back with us now here on GCR. John, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It is always an honor to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. And uh, always eager to and pleased to talk some ball. Uh, it's always great. Just hearing your voice makes my day better, sir. I just want you to know that. <laughs> just hearing your voice greatly improves my day. Um, John, what, what are your emotions? Um, as someone who is synonymous with the calls of the greatest moments in Barry Bonds' career, what are your emotions knowing he went 10 years without reaching Baseball's Hall of Fame? Well, I think that, number one, uh, I can't say that I'm shocked uh, because I, I think w- we all fully expected this outcome for this vote just as uh, all through the 10-year period. And so I think we all saw that coming. And I, I think at the same time, uh, you know, years ago, when when we were right in the middle of the, you know, what really is sort of the infamous steroid era, uh, uh, steroid era was ongoing, and it, it was all the story was really breaking and, and coming out about what, what was actually happening. Um, you know, I felt uh, you know people asked the question, well, should these guys who have sort of been implicated in this, should they? go in the Hall of Fame, and, and I, I was one who came out and said, no, I don't think so. They've, they've put the game in disrepute, and uh, I think that's a major issue. Now, uh, here's what's changed for me, and I think for a lot of people, including a lot of voters, uh, who have, you know, we broadcasters don't get a vote in the Hall of Fame thing. It's uh, only the members of the Baseball Writers right. Association of America who uh, are eligible to vote, but uh, 
and I think that they and, and, and me and a lot of people downfield, uh, we don't know who all was using steroids. I mean, we know the, the people that have somehow been implicated and associated with that and, and whatnot. But, uh, uh, you know, and, and Barry Bonds to this day has always denied knowingly ever taking steroids. Now, that's a whole other story. We, and it's not a... It's not a, a a pretty story either. It but, seems uh, impractical for sure. Right? Yeah, That's... yeah. So, uh, uh, but I think when he was uh, in court, he uh, appealing a, a conviction for uh, you know lying to the grand jury or whatever. That uh, his own lawyer came out and said, "Listen, we're not saying that he he didn't take him. We're just saying that uh, he didn't take him knowingly." And uh, so on and so forth. So, uh, so that's that's what we know. But my, my point is that I think that era, the steroid usage, and it's been shown, was rampant. There were a lot of people doing it, and maybe the the names that we associate with that uh, are just a small percentage of the actual number of people. That we're using it, and that includes maybe some people who are already gotten into the Hall of Fame. Right. So I think uh, for some voters, not enough, I guess, but uh, for some and a and a, a larger and larger percentage of the voters, uh, the idea is that since we don't know who all was using and and who isn't, or, or wasn't, then how can we uh, say, well, I'm going to vote for this guy, but not that guy? Because the the guy I am voting for may have been using. I don't know if he was or not. How how would I know? So, and I think that's the issue for a, a lot of voters who just said, "So I'm just going to go by the old idea that <laughs> it was the guy a Hall of Famer or not based on what he did." And 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 I think that number has been increasing over the years. There, you know, there's some people who are, are, have entrenched positions and who are not going to change their votes, and, and that obviously has uh, helped uh, keep people like uh, Bonds and Clemens out. But uh, uh, So I think, I think that Bonds, and probably Clemens too, are still going to uh, end up in the Hall of Fame, because the, the, uh, once you get into these committees, that's a whole different story. So, and it, it'll be fascinating, as you say, that later this year when the uh, the more current era, I, I can't remember what they actually Today's call these. Today's game uh, era, yes. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, when they get together, who knows, maybe, because uh, uh, these are a lot of Hall of Famers are in that committee. So, uh, and, and I think it could be, there, there could be some Hall of Famers themselves who have uh, sort of hardline stances on this that, uh, wait a minute, this this is, uh, this is the kind of person that should not be here for what they did, and and I know that you know the uh, from different Hall of Famers that I know and have talked to, you know when when they gather every year at the Hall of Fame ceremonies, and then after the ceremonies are over, they have this this great dinner, and it's one of those dinners that man I'd give anything to go to that dinner <laughs> because all the Hall of Famers are there in one room, and it's totally private; they're the only ones. And and they they talk about all these issues, and uh, you know they have a lot of laughs and a lot of fun and tell stories and all that. But uh, but they also talk about issues, and one of the issues that they do talk about is uh, uh, how do we all feel about uh, the guys that, 
we we kind of uh, really know that uh, that we're steroid people and and the, the the word that I was getting was that most of the Hall of Famers uh, kind of told the Hall of Fame even you know if that guy gets voted in we're not showing up mm-hmm. that year mm-hmm. you know it'll just be him and no Hall of Famers will be sitting on the stage behind him so uh, uh, and and I think. Really, that that is the way it should be. The Hall of Famers should have sort of the last say about this kind of thing. Because I think one thing about that uh, fraternity is those guys look at it as being uh, not just a great honor, but that they are sort of custodians of the game and, and of the Hall of Fame. So and they they take that seriously and uh, as as part of their role of being there. So uh, which is really a part of the cool thing about that. And I think that's one of the big reasons that Pete Rose is not in the sure, Hall of Fame. Sure, I think that same thing happened. The, the Hall of Famer said, "If Pete Rose goes in the Hall of Fame that year, none of us will be there because uh, the the issue is such a hot button and taken so seriously by the actual Hall of Famers about." betting on the game of baseball that uh, uh, they were not ready to forgive that. And, and I, I think in that case, my understanding is that uh, Pete himself could have gone to the Hall of Famers, not a big public thing, not a public press conference, but just gone and met with the Hall of Famers themselves and apologized and said it was wrong what I did, and I put the game, and I, I just, I realized that I, uh, and then go out in public and, and, and do the same thing. And I think at that point, the Hall of Famers would have forgiven him, and they wanted to forgive him. So, uh, you know, they want to welcome him into the Hall of Fame. They all do, but uh, so, <coughs> you know, that's kind of, to me, kind of on Pete himself, so. Um, so we'll see, but uh, uh, I think this this thing is uh, it, it's it's a major issue. But at the same time, uh, I, I kept thinking if if they had had a longer period than this ten year period, you know, the composition the, right, of the, the voters, writers, from the, yeah. the baseball writers, keeps changing. Guys retire, guys pass away, and uh, new guys are becoming members. and And I think the new guys, uh, a lot of them, the younger writers. Uh, uh, have a sort of a different take on on the whole thing. Most of them, I think, may have the idea of, well, how do we know uh, how all these people? Uh, so, uh, so I'm just going to not try to do that kind of uh, investigative reporting. I'm just going to look at their numbers and who who belongs in and, and and vote that way because all those guys, you know, the number of votes that they were receiving was was going up over the years. John Miller is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio after the Hall of Fame announcement yesterday. John, one thing that you'll hear from, from a small group of people is, you know what, I'm actually glad. Barry Bonds is a jerk, and, and I don't want Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame, right? Because I don't care how great of a player he was, and I don't really even care about the steroid thing. He just, he was a jerk. He was a bad person. You would know this better than I would, right? Like, although I'll tell you, I had a really terrible interaction with Barry Bonds once upon a time when I was working in Arizona. Um, what do you make of that? That the problem here? Look, David Ortiz failed a test, but he was a really good guy and was gregarious and beloved in the media. 
What do you make of the idea that people say Barry Bonds shouldn't be in because he was a bad person? Well, I mean, you know, Barry is, uh, was, I guess you might say he had a, a, a prickly personality around, uh, you know, the people that he didn't know. And, and some of his teammates over the years uh, also felt the same way about him. But, uh, you know, for me, uh, there have been a lot of guys that uh, have not gotten along with the, the press, and a lot of them are in the Hall of Fame. Yep. So, uh, uh, you know, everybody has their, their own idea of, of uh, you know, what was uh, very boorish and uh, hostile or impolite behavior. And, you know, for, for some people it was, uh, you know, the, they, were, they were short with them, and so they were angry. You know, everybody has their own insecurities, and everybody wants to be treated with respect and the, uh, with a certain expectation. Uh, but uh, knowing Barry for many, many years, uh, I, I will say that uh, Barry, Barry's a good person. He's a good guy. And uh, Barry was a guy who was able to, uh, the, the word I use is compartmentalize. Uh, he was always able, no matter what was going on around him, to put that aside and focus on the game that night. It seems like nothing could get in the way of that for him, and uh, which is what you want. The, the guys who are, are, are the best, the guys who end up in the Hall of Fame, are the guys who are able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, Eddie Murray used to wear that mm. uh, chain, mm. and the, the, you know, it was just like some jewelry, but it, it had uh, the, the phrase, just regular, you know, in, in, in gold or whatever, on the chain. Because that was how Eddie was raised in the game and realized what he needed and the way for anybody in baseball especially to have success on a daily basis and sustained success. That the day that you go five for five with two homers and seven RBIs, uh, that you're not on cloud nine that night. You're not on top of the world that the next day that you go 0 for 5 and you struck out four times and made an error and, you know, you left three runners at third with less than two down, that when that game is over, you're still the same guy as the night before after you went 5 for 5 and had one of the great games in the whole game. So that was, and that's truly the way it is. You can't get real high about the game as, overly excited because there's you have another game tomorrow right you still have to get your sleep you know when you get real excited number one it's, it's hard to sleep sometimes <laughs> you get the adrenaline is pulsing and coursing through your veins and and whatnot so uh uh so i think barry bonds was able to compartmentalize and just stay regular and if he didn't want to talk to a writer or whatever then he had no problem uh, with just blowing them off, you know. No, I'm not talking today, and uh, and you know, and the writers would uh, be offended and 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 be upset with him. And Barry himself might not even remember an hour later that that incident even happened. He's focused, and he's focused on the game that night, and he's either decided or just intuitively knew that he wasn't doing it. A story of just a personal story for sure. me. Um, and this was, you know, I had not been with the Giants that long. And the team had had an opening night game on the road in Miami. 
And I was with Joe Morgan that night doing the opening Sunday night on ESPN. Yeah. So I flew to Miami the next day to join the team, and uh, I saw Barry at the batting cage. You know, and I, I knew how the game had turned out the night before and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the, the full picture of what happened. So I just say to Barry, I said, how does this park play, especially in the twilight before the lights take full effect? And Barry's like, uh, man, I, I, I can't believe it. You, you don't know what it's like out there. That's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's, and he's, uh, he's like jumping down my throat. And, uh, and I said, Barry, um, I wasn't here last night. I was in <laughs> Cincinnati or wherever I was. Uh, I really don't have any idea what happened last night. I'm literally just asking. And he says, oh, oh, yeah. No, uh, the, in, there's a spot out there. There's one spot where you can't see the ball. It's a peculiarity in the lights. And that ball last night just got hit to that spot. And, and I, that's why I didn't catch the ball. I says, so there, you mean you did, you dropped the ball last night? He said, "Yeah, yeah." It was a, then he told me the, the scenario. You know, and he, he he gave me what I needed. Uh, so that was helpful for me because now on the broadcast I was able to right. talk about um, that spot in left field, and that's what happened to him the night before. And 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 uh, you know, talking to my broadcast partners who had been there, they they pretty well knew that he had lost the ball in the lights. You know, just watching the the play unfold, but. Uh, but then I was able to add what Barry told me about it. So, uh, uh, and I, that goes way back to the days when he was with Pittsburgh. Uh, Joe Morgan and I'd come in for Sunday night baseball with the Pirates, and uh, you know Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla were the big stars in the team. Andy Van Slyke was a star, and they they had really good teams there. And uh, uh, and they all I could always go to the batting cage and talk to Barry, and he'd give me whatever I needed. You know, and you know generally the kind of things we need are just. Nothing controversial. I just want to know how does this field play? Is there is there is the is the field true? Do you get a good bounce on, on that outfield? Uh, is it hard? Is it is it slow? Uh, are, are the lights bad? Are, they, uh, are, are is is there a blind spot? You know, I just want to know all that kind of stuff and uh, uh, any other peculiarities of, of playing the outfield for for Barry. So he going all the way back to I think when we started when I first met him was 1990. And he always gave us uh, the time and, and, and what we needed in it. And I think people, what people don't understand about Barry, uh, he is very, very smart, very intelligent. And I don't know that there's ever been anybody in the game smarter than Barry. And uh, uh, he was always going way back, always had projects off the field uh, where he was uh, uh, either – as, as the internet started coming out and, and, and uh, you know, home personal computers, all that, he always was always on all over those things immediately, uh, bought a camera, uh, loved to, to take photos, and, and really got serious about it and trying to compose the photo and then to, uh, you know, to edit them on the computer and, and come up with just the kind of photo that he wanted to, to print and, and you know so i mean barry's always had those kind of hobbies and uh uh you know so he's 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 a person who's engaged mentally and always uh wanting new challenges so uh even away from from uh, the, the the game of baseball so and he's one guy who's really doing great after retirement it's not always the easiest thing for a, a professional athlete you know, to all of a sudden have the ability to do what he does and has done his whole life, 
taken away. And some guys really struggle with that when when they're in their in their post uh, playing career. Barry is excelling. He's he's in great shape. Uh, he exercises. He rides bicycles and and uh, and and sometimes in in sort of competitively. Uh, he's he's an outdoorsman. He's he's loves to go camp and and fishing and be off in the wilderness and hiking and and uh, it's just fun. He has a lot of fun and and um, uh, and I think you know his family is uh, uh, very dear to him and uh, and and he and uh, by all accounts he's a good father. So uh, uh, you know I, and I've I've known those kids who are all grown sure. up now. Sure, some of them since they were just little kids. So I. I as a human being, uh, I, I uh, my feeling is that Barry Bonds is, is a very strong and giving and, and loving human being. So uh, interesting. And, and to see him around Willie Mays at the ballpark is, you know, Willie is at the ballpark a lot, and uh, he's Barry's godfather. And to see Barry with Willie at the ballpark, Willie will sit in. Uh, uh, the equipment guy's office down in the clubhouse when he's at the yard before a game. And players come in and, and talk to Willie and ask him advice and things like that. But when Barry's in there with him, you know, Barry's like, so Willie, you want, uh, are you hungry? Can I get you some food? And Willie will tell him what he wants, and, and Barry will you know, make sure he's got the order right, and then he goes back you know, to the, the little cafeteria back in the clubhouse and, and, and he retrieves uh, Willie's uh, food and, and brings it back wow, to him. And, wow. And, uh, you know, so, and they sit and they, uh, they, they have laughs with each other and, and they kind of needle each other. Uh, you know, I mean, Willie was the guy that, because you don't see that. You know, yep. Willie Mays needles Barry. And because uh, you don't see anybody needle Barry, you know, but uh, uh, Willie Mays needles him, and, and and then they have laughs, and 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 Barry goes right back after him. But Willie did say, um, the Giants a, a few years back had a ceremony where they retired Barry Bonds' number, and Willie was not supposed to speak, and I think they asked him maybe if he wanted to, and he and he and he, he didn't he didn't really want to, and and then all of a sudden he he asked to speak. Hmm. And he got up. I mean, Willie says, uh, "Give me a microphone. I want to speak." What are you going to do? Yeah, oh, right over here, Willie. Come on up. And he just—it was—it was really sweet. He, off the cuff, he talked about what a thrill it was when he got the call to go into the Hall of Fame. Which you don't hear that from Willie much because how he was thrilled. Like there was some kind of doubt as to maybe he would not go in the Hall. Right, it's Willie Mays. No, yeah. that it was a thrill, and how. Eager he was to get up to the Hall of Fame every year with all the other Hall of Famers, and how what a great experience that that is every year, and uh, and he felt like if somebody deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, that he wanted that person to get there so that they could experience the same thing, and especially somebody that that he loved and respected, and uh, and he said, you know, Barry was a Hall of Famer without any question. He deserves to be there. And I'm just saying uh, my personal appeal, uh, put him in the Hall of Fame where he belongs. Hmm. And if nothing else, do it because I'm asking you to as a Hall of Famer. And I'm saying he belongs there. Put him there. He deserves it. And uh, it was very beautiful. And the crowd just went nuts. 
Um, so, uh, and there's Willie May. You know, Willie just turned ninety. Wow! <laughs> this, wow! This past year, and, wow! Uh, you know, so he, you know, and he's he's mostly blind. He's got the macular degeneration, and and uh, you know, he's and he's just a little kind of little old man and, and whatnot. But uh, it, 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 you know, for me, I grew up with him yep. the way people in Baltimore grew up with Brooks, Brooks yep. Robinson and Frank Robinson and uh, the guys that they admired and idolized and whatnot. You know, Willie Mays was one of the guys for me and probably made me a baseball fan. So um, uh, when Willie speaks, that resonates with me. I, I completely understand that. John, we've, we've already kept you longer than we were supposed to. Could I, could I squeeze in two more really quickly uh, before we let you go? Would that, would that be all right? Sure. What you, John Miller is with us on GCR. What you just alluded to with Willie and his feelings about Barry, I understand that you, you know, broadcasters are not players, right? You're not technically in the Hall of Fame, but you've also had that honor. You've been in Cooperstown. You have been recognized on that dais. Do, do you have any of those same feelings knowing, I, I think anybody with a brain, we're talking about, if not the greatest, one of the three greatest baseball players of all time that's not in the Hall of Fame. Do you have any of those emotions um, that are similar as someone who has been recognized in Cooperstown that way? Well, I, I will say that um, w- watching what Barry Bonds was doing uh, for several years was the most incredible thing that I've ever seen in in the game, and I, I don't think that anybody's seen. Uh, he had the greatest stretch, and and maybe uh, it, it wouldn't have happened quite the way it, it happened without. You know the the performance enhancing substance, the PEDs. Uh, but at the same time, he was already the the best player in the game. You know, for most of the nineties, no question. It, the question was, who's better, Griffey or Bonds? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know there were some things about Bonds that were better than Griffey. You know, and uh, but you certainly couldn't go wrong with either one of them at that time at the top of their game. But. Uh, uh, you know, so I think, and and the other part was that it was funny. People, you know, the, the a lot of the writers and whatnot all kind of loved Griffey, you know, because he was a little more accessible and and maybe a little less prickly with them and whatnot. Uh, but uh, for some reason, uh, the people were writing and 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 whatnot. Says, well, we know Griffey never used it, uh, and it's like. Wait a minute. Yeah, maybe, right. Correct. I mean, how do you yeah, know? Correct. What do you mean you know? And uh, and at the same time, I remember, uh, you know, Barry was hitting all these home runs, and people say, well, look at him, he's bigger, and look at those numbers. We know that he's... And I used to say then, wait a minute, wait a minute. How do you know? What do you mean you know? I want you to tell me specifically, how do you know? Since you know, when was it that he started? And how much does he take him? Well, uh, I think, uh, obviously, uh, that first year he hit 50, never hit 50 before. That was probably that year. And Okay, so you don't know that. You're just, now you're trying to say cause and effect and whatever. Well, I mean, obviously, we, we, we know he's doing something. Uh, but we know. No, we don't know. But the thing I would always bring up was, so... Matt Williams also is using PEDs 
Oh, no, I've never... No, no, nobody thinks Matt Williams. Well, how do you explain 1994? And most of these people didn't know what, what I was talking about. But go back and look it up. 1994, that was a strike year. Mm-hmm. We only had about a 110-game season, That's so true. two-thirds of the season was played. And Matt Williams, after two-thirds of a season, had 43 home runs. Mm-hmm. In two-thirds of... He was on pace to obliterate Roger Maris and Babe Ruth's home run records by, you know, he was on pace for 64, 65 home runs. So how do you explain that? If you're saying that Barry, obviously, because he never hit that many home runs before, then I guess you must have to explain everybody doing that. Because Jeff Bagwell, also that year, was hitting uh, a similar number of home runs, and he actually got hurt, so... He, he wouldn't have broken the record because he would have been out for the rest of that year. But he was on pace to do it as well. This is several years before Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were doing that. So uh, the other part was that year when it was unfolding before the strike, Barry Bonds got really hot. And he started creeping up on Matt Williams. And Barry had 37 home runs at the time of the strike. Or, in other words, he was on pace for 55 or 56. Plus, he was red hot. And I thought, well, you know, in 1927, when Babe hit 60, uh, uh, Lou Gehrig finished second with 47 that year. And they went into September. Lou Gehrig had 46 home runs through August, and the Babe had 43. But in September, the Babe hit 17 homers, and Gehrig only hit one more. And I remember saying at that time, in 1994, I think because he's Barry Bonds, he's going to end up with more homers than Matt Williams. And if somebody reaches 60 or more, it's probably going to be Barry Bonds. Because I thought he's going to do exactly what the babe did and just leave Lou Gehrig in the, in the, in the dust back in 1927. So, But we never got to find out, which is the tragedy of... Of a, of a strike like that. So, but anyway, for me, that whole thing of, oh, we know because of the, the numbers. No, uh, the, uh, even Maris himself must have been using something because he had one year he had 39 home runs. That was the best year he ever had other than the year he had 61. So how do you explain that? It, it happens, and there's so many times in history that it has happened. And, uh, uh, you know, so I think we need... A little more evidence, a little more than, oh, I think we know how he did that, you know. So that's just innuendo. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and I think maybe the, the final summation is that's why this is a serious issue. And I don't blame anybody who didn't vote for Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens in, in this thing uh, because it has put in question what a lot of people have done and their achievements. And uh, that's the disrepute that the game uh, sort of fell into because of that whole era. And, uh, and, and, and that's the damage that has been done by it. So anyway, I, and there, so I, there we have it. It's, I, I, it's, I, a compli- maybe, it's a complicated answer. I get it. I completely understand yeah, what you're so saying. John. I, 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 I just don't know how you have a baseball Hall of Fame without the greatest players of, the, of all time. You know, and I, and I certainly understand what you're alluding to that, yes, I don't love these things, and I wish it hadn't been the case, but they're the greatest players of all time. Um, you know, I, 
it's a it's a tough thing. It's a very tough. It's a tough. Yeah, the, the 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 Hall of Fame should be about uh, the uh, the history of the game and uh, not just rewarding but acknowledging. It's 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 the the museum of the game. Uh, the whole history of the game is right there on display, and uh, which is what's so fun about going to the Hall of Fame. And by the way, anybody who's never been there, I think, who's a baseball fan needs to go, and, and they will not regret it, and they will be one of the great experiences of their sure, lives to, sure. to go up there. So, yep. uh, so get up there and, and enjoy it. And, uh, uh, and, and go find, if you're an Orioles fan, go find the Brooks Robinson display no and question. the Jim Palmer display and the Frank Robinson display and uh, you know, Eddie Murray and Cal and you know, all those great Orioles who are all up there. And, and there's, there are the, 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 the uniform and the cleats and the ball that Cal hit for a home run the night he broke uh, uh, the, you know, Lou Gehrig's consecutive game record. All that stuff is there from that moment in history. Yep. And, and no Orioles fan will ever forget that. And, that and, one of and, the greatest. and you were a big part of that moment in 1995, John Miller, and we think about well, that a lot. We think it, it was one of the greatest nights I've ever had in a, in a ballpark. And, uh, and then the fans held their own celebration with Cal. Cal had refused to allow the game to be stopped yep. for a celebration because Cal was saying, no, that's, that's disrespect for the game. I will not be any part of that. Uh, after the game's over, you want to have some ceremonies and whatnot, great. I'm, uh, I'll be honored and I'll, I'll be all over it, but not during the game. Do not, we're, not doing, we're not stopping. And then the fans did it themselves. So that was not planned. That was not on the schedule. That was not <laughs> supposed to happen. And that was the, the you know, sort of that lingering uh, picture of Rafael Palmero and Bobby Bonilla pushing Cal out of the dugout and sending him on his way for his lap around the field. To, and they kept telling him, you've got to go and run a lap. And he said, I can't do that. And, and he, they said, no, we're, they're yeah, not going to yeah, stop. Correct, yeah. It's not, you don't and have a choice here. We're, we're never going to get this game started until you do right. that. And then fi- and the, the, the thing we didn't know that night was that, that Cal was sick. He was running a fever. And, uh, you know, he'd been still trying to uh, take care of his family and, and take the kids to school in the morning and be up with them before their day started, even though he was going, you know, night after night. Because remember, after games, he was, even in the road games, he was staying out for 30, 40 minutes after games, signing autographs in all the ballparks the Orioles were in. It was one of the most extraordinary things uh, that I've ever seen to, to this day. But Cal just decided, well, I'm, and, and his, his, uh, his wife, now his ex-wife, uh, said, I hope you can enjoy this. You've earned it. You've put in so much work. And I hope that you can, because it's going to be hectic and, and it's going to be a lot of demands but I hope that you can sort of bask in it and enjoy it, and uh, so that you'll never forget it. And uh, and that that was one of the ways that Cal decided that, I, that he was going to do it, and uh, and share it with the fans, even all these fans in all these other cities that that, yep, that, no that, that were not Oriole fans. No so, question. Uh, so that's one of the. It is completely opposite what we've just been talking about. <laughs> uh, I mean, Cal, that was because that was the year after that strike, which was a horrible. A horrible black mark on the game. The World Series was wiped out, and uh, and a lot of people said, I, "The hell with this game! 
a pox on both their houses, the owners and the players. I, I'm not coming back. And, uh, it, you know, and who could blame them, you know? So uh, uh, if the game's no, no longer fun, why would you right. spend time and, and money uh, on the game? So, But Cal, in, in some ways, almost single-handedly, turned that around. And the Orioles were having a bad season. You remember who the manager was that year? It uh, was Phil Regan. Phil Regan, yep, exactly yeah. right. Yep. So he wasn't a manager there for very no, long, no. but he was the manager that year. So, uh, And the team was not a, a very good team. But uh, uh, and, then, and, and there was Cal. And ESPN had the national telecast of that game and got the best rating for a baseball telecast they'd ever had up to that time uh, for that game. So the kind of the, the nation tuned in, and uh, and 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 everybody was just uh, so excited about it. So uh, anyway, so th- that's the flip side, and and uh, uh, so get up there to the Hall of Fame if you're a baseball fan, and check out the Cal's display and the, the the stuff there from from that night and from his brilliant career and all those those great Orioles who did so many fabulous things, and 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 Eddie Murray, and Eddie Murray was, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Murray was a guy like. Barry Bonds, from just this one standpoint, that a lot of the writers just didn't like him. That's true. That's and, true. Uh, and so, the, you know, they, they didn't write nice things about him. Eddie was, like, the nicest guy that I've ever met in the game, you know. And uh, the, the, the actual Eddie Murray was uh, a, a great guy. Uh, my daughters, who were just young children, I introduced him to to Eddie, you know, before a game, just by by chance, and he spent several minutes with them and could not have been nicer. And then they would send uh, artwork, you know, wow. my three year old and my five year old, my seven year old. <laughs> they wow. just they send artwork and said, Dad, could you give this to Eddie? Oh. And I promised him that I would. He asked for some artwork, and uh, so. Uh, and then I said, Eddie, I'm, I promised I'd do that. He says, No, no. I, I told him to, to make some for me. So, and then he he, he pinned him up in his locker, you know. <laughs> so you know, it's my so daughter cool. just got it. And, oh, and to this day, I mean, they're you know they're they're grown up people now, but don't ever say a, a bad thing about Eddie Murray to them, you know. And uh, so I've seen him with with kids and and uh, just a, a wonderful guy and a great teammate. He was only about team. Eddie never knew what his stats were on a, on a given day. He just knew how the team was doing. And uh, so, uh, uh, you know, to me, he was the quintessential Hall of Famer. And, and you know, who, I, I mean, I, I don't want to uh, go down this path necessarily, but I think the fact that, uh, you know, both Eddie and Barry Bonds are, are I, I understand. African-Americans, I, yep. uh, it, it just makes you wonder, you know. Uh, I understand. Because I think they're not alone in, in maybe having moments where they've been rude to the press, you know, but uh, uh, they, uh, you know, so there, there, there are a lot of other aspects to that as well. I, so. I, but, John, but, I completely understand what you're saying, and, and I, I, don't think you're, I don't think you're wrong to bring it up for what it's worth. I just don't think so. I, John, I, th- we've gone so far over with you, but I need to say two things to you before I let you go. The first is I really meant what I said at the top. I'm telling you, you, Chuck, Johnny Holiday, you were the reasons why I wanted to be a sports broadcaster growing up and and I and I truly mean that it was such a joy to spend our evenings with you and and you remain missed and and I only followed up to say I know 
unfortunately how things ended but i pray that one day we can get things right and you can go into the orioles hall of fame too and we can have a big day to celebrate you back in baltimore because you are loved in our community and you always be loved in our community sir well thank you very much i really appreciate it and i had uh, uh, great years in baltimore and it was one of the happiest experiences in my life and my kids all basically feel like baltimoreans that's where they grew up so uh uh, and we have still have a lot of friends there, and and uh, and we always love going back there. So anyway, I, I really appreciate you having me on. All the best. Thank you so much for taking the time, John Miller. Really appreciate you. The great John Miller. Whew. We did 40 minutes, and if he said he wanted to stay on for another two hours, I would have just said cancel all of my plans. We'll do another two hours with John Miller this the, today because it's John Miller talking about baseball. And you tell me how you're spending your time. It's any better than John Miller talking about baseball. I, I can't think of a better way to spend a Wednesday. What, uh, what did uh, Paul from? I'm not gonna lie. It's just still awesome to hear John Miller's soothing baseball voice. It's just you hear it. You're just like, yep. I just want you to talk about baseball. That's what I want you to do. To just he- talk to me about baseball. To hear him talk about the Orioles' greats with love in his mm-hmm. voice is yep. is awesome. Look, and, man, it, I wish it, things could have it, worked it out It brings up here. a whole level of awkwardness that we you know we're, we're we're 25 years removed from, right? Like we're we're 25 years removed from the insanity of letting John Miller go. Mm-hmm. And and the turning point, right? Like let's be honest, up until that moment there was no reason for anyone in the city to have a negative feeling towards Peter Angelos. He was a local guy who cared about the Orioles, bought the team, and remember, you know, turn him into a winner, right? And, you know, the, the stadium, and they were a winner in 96. The the turning point, the moment everything changed, was when he let John Miller go and said, the, you know, I think you ought to bleed a little orange and black. Everything changed from them. A year later, he fires Davey Johnson, and then it was never, obviously, the same mm-hmm. um, in the relationship between owner and city. Never. I mean, it, it never will be, obviously. Um, you know, I, I don't... I hate revisiting it because we're just so far removed from it. We can't change anything about it. And John Miller has been an icon in San Francisco now for two and a half decades. They've they've been able to have the joy that we had just listening to John Miller call baseball games. Mm -hmm. And we've had, you know, we got to spend time with Gary Thorne. I think Kevin Brown is proving himself to be a fine, you know, broadcaster that I think we're going to enjoy listening to call games for uh, some years. I'm not trying to elevate him to John Miller or Gary Thorne. By I put, the put Joe Angel up there. Joe with, with, and, with and, and I love Fred Manfred. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't know if I, I would put Joe at John Miller's level, but, you know, very close, right? Mm-hmm. Like, very close and, and love Joe Angel. Um, but, boy, it's it's just tough to think about. It's just tough to think about that and, and regret it. But, man, for, I'll, do, I'll do 40 minutes with John Miller anytime John Miller's ready to do. For, and he can just talk about whatever he wants. Every time he's like, well, you know, he just sort of wanders off somewhere else. All right, man, I'll go with you. I'll go with you because I'm listening to John Miller That's talk about That's why he's such baseball. a great broadcaster. No question. So we're going to run over a lot today because we still haven't talked to Traveling Queen yet. Um, it's John Miller's fault. It's John Miller's fault. <laughs> Blame him today. Uh, today's show has also been brought to you by CCBC. I keep using these words, tuition-free. I hope you're filing them away. If you need to hone your computer skills to boost your career, or maybe you want an IT certification, CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field, and it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need, from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career 443-840-4700 or ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Tidbit, tubular, traveling queen, traveling queen to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on The Bataround. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. So we'd have to go back and check the exact text of the uh, transcript of what he said, because he might have danced his way around it perfectly. But I, if you remember correctly, when we had Anthony Levine Sr. on Monday, I asked him about his plans and alluded to, you know, like, you thought about your future. Are you planning on being a Raven again next year? And in like listening to it and thinking about exactly what he said, and I can't remember that the exact wording of it was at that moment, he definitely said, like, yeah, I'm planning on that. I'm planning to be a Raven. And he probably can wiggle his way out of, of saying, because I'm accusing him of sandbagging me, but he can probably wiggle his way out of it because technically, as Anthony Levine Sr. has announced his retirement today, he's actually going to stay with the franchise 
in a scouting role and a a coaching assistant role for the Ravens next year. So he could totally say, yeah, I told you I was going to be a Raven next year, and I'm going to be, just not on the football field. And that's what I was alluding to, and the question was, like, are you thinking about, you know, your your mid your mid thirties, or like, what what's going on? Now, I'm not mad at him in any way. If he was planning on doing some sort of announcement with the team, I get it. He, you know, it while while he and I are good, he's not going to give that away. <laughs> hey, in two days, they put together this big video package, <laughs> and I'm announcing my retirement. Like, he's not going to give that away if it's something they've been working on with the team. And I'm not mad at him about that. I understand that they pay checks to him. I do nothing of the sort. So I'm not mad at him about that. I do remember in the interview when you asked him, and he, at first he didn't answer. Like, he kind of seemed like he chuckled a little bit, too. Yeah, like, at, at first he didn't answer. Yeah. I, w- I was like, oh, yeah, right? what's going on? Right. And then he said he, he said something else. He goes, but yeah, I think I'd like to be back or something like that. Yeah. And I, was, I was like, okay. I, I found it, I thought it was yeah. weird the way he answered me. I don't think he, I don't think we can fully accuse him. Like, we're, we're going, and we'll call him again today, and we'll see if we'll come back on tomorrow to talk about it. Because, Anthony again, Anthony Levine Sr. announces retirement. Um, and I said everything I needed to say about Anthony Levine when he was on with us on Monday. Just an incredible person, um, a unique story in the NFL of someone who persevered, finding a role in which he was really good. A very, very quality individual. And as respected, I just said this to uh, Sam Brook. Um, they treated, in that locker room, they treated Anthony Levine like he was Ed Reed. The reverence for Anthony Levine within that locker room from those young players is unreal. It's unreal the way that they respected him. And, you know, he's a Super Bowl champion. He's earned that, right? Like, he's a guy that made it in this league for a really long time. But they treat him like a great of the game. That's how much reverence. That's how important he is to the players in that locker room and and certainly has a lot to do with why the Ravens want to keep him around in some capacity moving Mm -hmm. forward because of the respect that he has garnered from other players, man. Um, a, a hell of a career for Anthony Levine Sr. And um, it means there's we're, we're down to like two. Like we're down to like Justin Tucker and Sam Cook from the, the Super Bowl 40. So I guess Pernell McPhee is still technically on the roster. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is he, a free, I, he was a one-year deal, right? So I, yeah, he was on the roster recently anyway. So I don't know where they are with Pernell McPhee. But we're down to just a couple of guys, Jimmy Smith still, yeah. Um, if he comes back next year, and that's an if, but we're a decade removed from the Super Bowl, and we're getting to the point where it's just about nobody left, yeah. Um, from that time, so but what a run, what a run for Anthony Levine Sr. All right, uh, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you today by the Best of Issue of Press Box. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year. Insider recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021. You can get it for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Or read it all, pressboxonline.com slash best of. All right, so on Tuesday night, and we just talked about this at length with John Miller. Barry Bonds was left off his 10th and final Hall of Fame ballot. Despite having a career slash line of 298, 444, 607, and the most home runs, walks, and intentional walks of all time. As we discussed on the show yesterday, Bonds in 2004 reached base 376 times while only recording 373 at-bats, something certainly unprecedented and one of the most mind-boggling stats out of the numerous accolades he achieved. Bonds also recorded a single-season B-war of nine or higher eight times. David Ortiz, for example, since he was the only player elected into the Hall of Fame, had a single-season high B-war of 5.8 mm-hmm. for his career. 
All told, Bonds won seven MVPs, four more than any other player. Ten other players in history have won three MVP awards. Who are they? Oh, my God. I actually know this, too. Um, well, Mike Trout now, right? Mike Trout. Yep. Um, oh, God. This is going to drive me nuts because I swear to God, I just, I just did. I think Kyle did this like a year ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's a long enough ago that like I'm not remembering them off the top of my head. Oh, my God. Three MVP awards. I should probably just start guessing, and then you can go. just start naming I, some. I know, but I swear, like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick myself for not remembering, because we didn't do it all that long ago. All right, um, three MVP awards. Uh, Willie Mays. No, that's a little surprising, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's a little surprising. I like, legitimately just triple checked my list because I was like, he should be. He's not. Well, that's a that's a that's a, a hell of a, a way to start this off. Um. Uh, uh, how about uh, how about uh, 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 Albert Pujols? Albert Pujols. He is on the list. <sighs> Driving nuts. How about how about Mickey Mantle? Mickey Mantle. He is on the list. The Ted Williams. No. Surprising. Remember, he had four years off. I understand war. that. It's still it's still Ted Williams yeah. we're talking about. How about? I am trying to think of of. Is there anybody else that's modern? One guy is modern to us. Another guy was still playing in the eighties. Oh, Alex Rodriguez, right? Alex Rodriguez. Okay. And now we got to go back a ways. Um, one guy that was still playing in the eighties. Still playing in the. Can I give you a slight hint? Yeah, sure, because it's 1224. Yeah, we the, still have the, a, the, a running There's interview. an argument between he and another guy for being the best ever at that position. There's an argument between him and another guy being the best ever at that position. Oh, it's um, it's Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt, yep. I can't believe that actually worked, by the way. I can't <laughs> believe that, that wizardry actually worked on this one. Uh, all right, so now we got to go back away. So um, I don't know what year they started. That's the problem. I don't hear what know when they started awarding MVPs. Uh, Ty Cobb. No. Babe Ruth. No. Uh, Lou Gehrig. No. You're on the right track, though. I'm on the right track, though. Uh, yuck. I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. Was it Honus Wagner who I confused with Ty Cobb <laughs> yesterday? No. You oh, said man. Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. That puts you on the right track. Because it's a Yankee. A couple of them. A couple of Yankees. Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra. He is on the list. I don't know. Who's in the other He's a Yankee? dunker. He's a dunker? He's a dunker? That doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> why, should, why should that mean something Seinfeld. to me? Seinfeld. He's a dunker. Oh, I, you know I'm not a Seinfeld guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, there's a song about him. Song. There's a song. Oh, Joe DiMaggio. Sure. Yep. Right. Yeah, okay. All right. My bad. My bad. My bad. I definitely should have said. Well, I was thinking of a, a, a little bit further back. Um, there's still three more. There's three more. Stan Musial. Stan Musial. Ernie Banks. No. 
These guys you might not get. Oh, good. They're, they're known names, but they don't pop into your head when you start thinking of the old. Tris Speaker. No. Rogers Hornsby. No. Uh, Hank Greenberg. No. Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox. Mel Ott. No. Duke Snyder. I believe. I could be wrong. I believe this guy was a catcher. Roy Campanella. Roy Campanella. Roy Campanella. Did not know he won three MVP awards. Roy Campanella. Is that all of them? That's all of them. Hey. Roy Campanella only had a 2.6 MVP share, though, for winning three awards. I don't know what that means, but either. it was really couldn't, low on the list for you. three MVP right. winners. Very good. Very good. Tubular brought to you by Live Casino Hotel. Get your um, If you want to be there for the big game, Send the message right now, events at sportssocialmd.com. I promise you there's nowhere better to be than the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel. All the in-game bets, live betting going on, and all of the props. You can go right up to the window or one of their 51 self-service kiosks to get your bets in at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover and the FanDuel Sportsbook. Events at sportssocialmd.com if you want to be there for the big game. Here's what's going on tonight. Uh, Navy Hoops at Bucknell, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Also ESPN+, Plus for UMBC and NJIT at 7. Big Ten Hoops on BTN, Northwestern Michigan, 6.30, Penn State, Indiana at 8.30. Uh, Australian Open women's semifinals overnight tonight on ESPN. Uh, two Americans in the semifinals. Neither one of them are favorites. It's Madison Keys, Ashley Barty, and then it's Danielle Collins against Iga Sviantek overnight tonight starting at 3.30 a.m. for the Australian Open women's semifinals. ESPN also has Knicks Heat at 7.30, Suns Jazz at 10, NBC Sports Washington, Sharks Capitals at 7, TNT Blackhawks Red Wings 7.30, Bruins Avalanche at 10, Golf Channel for round one. They're doing it Wednesday to Saturday so they don't go up against the championship games, the golf tournament this weekend. Probably pretty smart. Um, Round one of the PGA Farmers Insurance Open at noon and TBS Ray W Dynamite tonight at 8. Anything non-sports wise that we got to cover? Um... Charlie Day uh, is going to be on Jimmy Kimmel Live What's tonight. he plugging? I've, I, maybe another... Sun, Sunny Always wrapped up. Oh. Yeah, uh, I have no so idea, but he's going to be on, uh, well, along with anyway. Ian Dior featuring Machine Gun Kelly and Travis Parker oh, I never miss at 11.35. Yeah, never miss them. Halle Berry and Dave Franco are going to be on uh, The Tonight Show Package starring Jimmy, Fa- Jimmy Fallon. No. And uh, The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5 ah, on Disney+. Right, Plus. right. All right, everything else, go to glennclarkradio.com and find it there. Thanks today to, and what a chat we had with John Miller. Thanks also today to Drew Forrester, who was on with us for a similar amount of time, but probably was not as as thrilling (laughs) as John Miller. Thanks to Nenda Tark from Coppin State, uh, and thanks to Trevlin Queen, who you're about to hear from. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. KZ joins us tomorrow. Uh, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl is going to join us tomorrow ahead of next week's festivities. Of course, he also does draft stuff for ESPN, so that'll be our weekly draft chat for the week. And uh, stuff and things tomorrow on the program. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Exxon Mobil, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and my bookie, Blue Nine Canine as well. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday night. Go uh, UMBC and Navy. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. We wrap up today's show. This is an unbelievable story. Traveling Queen from North County. Grinded. Was homeless at one point. Living in a car. Got to the NBA. Awesome story. Let's hear from him right now. Had to record it a little bit earlier on as we wrap up today's edition of GCR. 
It's a pleasure now to be joined here on GCR by uh, one of Glenn Burney's own and a young man who's had to grind his way to reaching the NBA level this season. He's with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers right now, but uh, spent a lot of time with the Houston Rockets and is on a two-way contract and will be back there short, shortly for sure. He is Traveling Queen, and he's with us now here on GCR. Traveling, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hey, man, how you doing? Appreciate you guys having me. A- absolutely, man. It's so great sure. to chat with you, dude. It's it's so cool. For people that aren't aware, man, like your journey, your, your, to get to this point in your life, and I know how much work you had to put in in order to do this, can, can you put into words what has meant to you to get to the NBA level, given everything that you've had to do to make this work for yourself? Oh, it was crazy. It was surreal when I first signed my contract, just being through what I've been through, like so many schools, being under the radar my whole life and stuff like that, having to face situations I face. I mean, everybody goes through what they go through in life, but that's no excuse to give up on what you, you know what I'm saying, what your dreams is. And my dream was to make it to the NBA. I wouldn't say that that was one of my goals. That was the dream that I, that I accomplished. My goal was just to put my family in a better position when I got there, when that was my, that was one of my goals in life. So that's what always kept me motivated. My family and everything, everything else around me. You know what I mean? Because like once you get stuck in a situation, if it's all about you, then you never have the motivation to get out. So my my goal, my my goal in life was just to take care of my family. So that's what just drove me to go through what I went through and just accomplish my dreams. It's so cool, man. When you talk about going through what you went through, um, I've I've heard some stories about the things that you've had to do in order to get to this point. I heard a story that for a little while. You had to live in a car in order to keep the basketball dream alive. Is that is that true? Yeah, um, I was in junior college in California. I was homeless for a while, me and a couple of teammates. And uh, we just had to face a little adversity because we had a situation that happened before that. We all got removed from a, an apartment. Yeah, we had to face homelessness. And one of my teammates had family in East Oakland as we would stay in the Marin. So, like, from Marin to East Oakland is, like, a big difference, like, going from the suburbs to, you know what I'm saying, a little lower level, and you don't know what's going to happen next, you know what I mean? You're just living in the car, going day by day, eating who knows what for dinner the next day. And this is, like, before Cash App or anything like that. So, like, we had, like, Wells Fargo money. You know how that goes. Like, you send $100, <laughs> they take 25 of it. Right. We stuck with 75. Four people, you know what I mean? For, like, a week. And we grown men, too. So it's not like we can just eat Doritos and oatmeal all day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We eat some meals. So it was, it was kind of hard. Then we had to trans- transport and East Oakland to Marin County, which is about a 40-minute drive to school every morning. You know, like California traffic is easiest. Did, and the 80th Delta, you know how old that car is. So shoo. it'll break down on you, give out on you anytime. So you know how that goes. Like, okay, take me back to those days, right? Take me back to that moment, right? Did, did you ever have a point? And whether it was then, I know you've, you've had to deal with some other things and going from different schools. Did you ever at any point say to yourself, Man, it's not worth it. Like, I, I, it's just not worth me doing this. I, I don't know if it's ever going to pan out for me. Did you ever have a point where you thought to yourself, I, you know, it's whatever. I don't need to worry about basketball anymore. It's not worth going through these things. I never had a situation where I, I never thought it was worth it because I knew it was going to be worth it at the end of the day. But it was a time where I almost gave up on it. I'm not saying that it was worth it, but I almost gave up in a situation where I, when I was homeless in California, I had lost my grandmother. And to me, she was my best friend. So I couldn't, we couldn't afford to go find me out to the funeral or anything like that. So that's what, like, really took a toll on me for a while mm. as I was homeless in, in, in Oakland. So you know how that could go, you know what I mean? Mm. When your best friend, who's your best friend, you don't remember the last thing she says to you, you don't remember none of that. And you're just living, you're just trying to make it day by day, and she's gone, and I couldn't even go see her. 
Oh, man. Nothing like that, you know what I mean? So it was I, really hard for me at that point. I can certainly... Like, un- yeah. My lowest of my lowest, you know what I mean? I, dude, I could completely understand why you might want to, you know, give up at that point. Like, I can completely understand that. Uh, I, what, 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 what led you to not? Why didn't you at that point, Travelin? Why did you say, no, I'm going to keep on the grind um, to what's now gotten you to the NBA? Uh, like I said before, it was always bigger than me, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just my family and everything like that. I just never felt like I was doing it in a selfish way. I knew once I made it and did what I had to do that I was going to be able to put my family in a situation uh, and be able to retire my mom and dad. But even though this this is a hard business, once you get in here, it's harder to stay in there than it is to get there, you know what I mean? Sure. So I just try to find ways to stay here and keep my head evened out on what's the bigger picture at the end of the day. Traveling Queen is with us, the pride of Glen Burnie, North County High School, and now we'll ever, no matter what, and I know the goal is to be back there soon, but no matter what, he reached the NBA. He's lived the dream. He's with us here on GCR. Traveling, um, when you put on the Rockets uniform for the first time, like in a real game back in December, right? Like the first time you put it on, what are the emotions like? What is going through your mind? You check into a game you know you're there. You have achieved the goal of every kid that ever picks up a basketball in their life. Oh, it's just so really, like I said before, you know what I'm saying? Finally putting that NBA jersey on and finally getting them NBA points is like, all right, now I finally made it. You know what I mean? I could put the jersey on. Once you get that first official bucket in the first official minute, it's like, oh, yeah, I really made it. So, like, it was just like a like a roller coaster of emotions, you know what I mean? Like, just being in the game and like, oh, shit, there's DeMar DeRozan. Oh, shit, there's... <laughs> This guy and that guy is like, oh, I was just playing with these dudes on 2K. <laughs> I was just playing with these dudes on 2K. Now I'm guarding them one-on-one, you know what I mean? So it was just like a surreal moment. Is, there, is that it's the one? Was, like, DeRozan might legitimately be the MVP this year, by the way. Like, is, is yeah. there, is there was, that, was that the one for you that you've experienced so far that's been the most surreal moment for you to, like, share a court with somebody? Oh, no, no. I haven't had that moment. I think, actually, it was probably with the Lakers when I was on the court. With that's LeBron, true, right? Like, yeah. And summer and stuff like that. So that was probably the most of the moment. Like, yo, that's really LeBron James. Like, yo, that's really Russell Westbrook. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was, I, I was, I had a dream of this day to happen, and now I'm guarding these dudes one on one in practice. They're guarding me, and I'm, you know what I'm saying? This is, I'm really hooping with LeBron James. So like, that was probably the most. Of the yeah, I didn't even so think far. about that. And for those that don't know, you spent yeah. camp with the Lakers. I didn't even. That didn't even like you know click. Of course, like holy crap, that's yeah. LeBron James right there. Man, like right. my God, dude, it doesn't get. And actually, that entire roster, right? Like Jesus, there's like Hall of Famers all over that roster. Um, that is crazy, man. That's so cool. Um, Trevlin, you know, th- this is not the path. Not a lot of kids from North County uh, end up making it in the NBA or any professional sports league, right? How were you able to do something that other people don't do? You didn't go to a huge prep school. You didn't go to one of the powerhouses. How were you able to do something that no one else has been able to do? Uh, I guess I just fell in love with it, you know what I'm saying, from the start. And I just knew that if I go hard and go all in with this, I can put myself in a position to live a great life, you know what I mean? Not even myself, my family. So like I said before, and I always harp on it. It's always bigger than me at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? I'm in it for longevity. I want my kids, kids, kids to be good, you know what I'm saying? I want my mom to be good throughout the rest of her, you know what I'm saying? The second half of her life, I want my dad to be good the second half of his life. So, like, it's always just bigger than me. I always want to take care of everybody else. So, for me to stop, I wouldn't be able to do that, you know what I mean? And I love the game. I can't see myself doing nothing else, like, at all. Even after basketball, just basketball stops dribbling, I want to be in coaching or wow. run camps and programs and give back to, like, the lower level communities that don't have much and show them that there is hope and there is a chance of making it but i saw that you had already done that even before you had reached the nba level like you did an event at fort Meade last summer correct yes sir 
And it seems like that's a pretty important thing for you, like knowing there's a bunch of other kids who are coming from similar circumstances as you, and you need to show them like that you can, you can, if you work, you can accomplish this. Yeah, that's what I was trying to show them. That there's other ways out. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to go off what social media or anything like that shows you nowadays. Don't worry about getting it, getting it all the next day or the day after that. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes takes a while. You know what I mean? You gotta take a longer road than somebody else. So you can't watch the next man's, you know what I'm saying, journey and then. You can write the same chapters, you know what I mean? You gotta be your own author. That's Sometimes incredible. the book takes longer than others. So That's incredible. Hey Trevor Trevlin like. Queen is with us from uh, from Glenn Burney here on GCR. Tell me about like falling in love with basketball, because you talk about how much you care about it. When did you know? Like at what point in your life did you say, dude, this is it for me? and obviously it helps that you were probably a little bit bigger than most of the kids, right? Like, but when did you know? This is the thing that I'm going to put all my love, all my passion into is pursuing basketball. It's just been around me my whole life. Like my dad used to take me to the park when I was about five, six years old, eight, ten. I was always playing against people older than me and bigger than me. And like, they wouldn't like take it easy on me. They'd be like, yo, you suck. Like, blah, blah, blah. You got this and that. Like, they wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? So it was always a competitive spirit for me being the smallest guy on the court to trying to prove myself. So I've always been trying to prove myself my whole my life. And it just, it just kept that competitive spirit in me. Like, no matter what level I was at, I was always trying to be the best person I could be. That's, my team or the ones around me. So that, I was always trying to be the best. That's wild, man. Like, it's so funny to think about. Like, you just you, you just had to, you know, sort of, what would a kid, nut up, right? Like, that's what they call it, right? Like, you just got to go grind with them. Um, Trevor, what did you learn most from, from getting that first taste of the NBA? What did you learn most that you're now working on to say, hey, here's what I'm going to do differently to force their hand? Like, you, you know, you had some huge games, right? You had some double-digit scoring games. What did you learn about the NBA level that you're now working on to say, when I'm there next, I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking for as long as they'll have me. Uh, just be selfish within yourself, you know what I mean? Like, take care of your body, take care of your mental, take care of your physical before you even take care of anybody else. I would say, you know what I'm saying? Like, be selfish without being selfish, you know what I mean? Like, put yourself first. It's okay to put yourself first. Cause it's really a hard job. You got all this traveling, all this physical, physical, mental, and draining stuff every day. So it's just like, take care of yourself. Because you can't, if you're not 100% yourself, you can't help the next person. So I would say, like, Especially the mental part, because you never know. Like, you can come, like, in the G League, I play 37 minutes a game, then I go up top and play 30 seconds. So it's like staying mentally locked in, mentally mm. prepared throughout any situation. It's always staying ready. That's a great point, right? Like, you don't know exactly what the moment's going to be where you got to get in and you got to do something, but you got to be ready to do it when they, they call your number. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Trevlin Queen, you, you mentioned your parents. Tell me a little bit about them, and, 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 and you're saying doing this for them, right? Like, how did they guide you? in getting to this moment so that you would have the opportunity to live out this dream? Uh, my dad was always a guy that always kept me in a competitive spirit, competitive mode. Like, when I would go to the court, I would go to, come to my game, he'll let me know, like, the real deal. He wouldn't sugarcoat it and like that. He'd be like, you stuck. You try. You know what I'm saying? Just, like, stuff like that. So I wasn't always spoon-fed in situations where it was really hard for me. He always just, like, let me figure it out myself in time and then let me know what I did wrong. But my mom, she was always, like, the hard worker. And just always make sure there was food on the table, like no matter what the situation was. Just make sure I got some new shoes, new socks, school clothes. Even she like she never she always put me first, no matter what she like. She has to go out with her friends or take me to a game. She take me to the game, and you know what I'm saying just like stuff like that. She always sacrificed, so I feel like I owe it to her for sacrificing for so many years. I, like it's impossible to repay your mother. You know what I mean? I guess it's impossible. So yeah. I just want to show her that I can take care of it as much as I can. That's awesome, man. It's so cool to hear you talk like that, bro. It's just absolutely powerful. All right, Traveling Queen, uh, what can we plug for you social media-wise? Where can folks back this way be giving you a follow, Twitter, Instagram, anything like that? 
Uh, my Instagram is TrevUpNow, at TrevUpNow, T-R-E-V, UpNow. Yep. And then my Twitter is Trev underscore Up, T-R-E-V underscore U-P. Excellent. Give him a follow in those spots. Uh, Trevin Queen, man, we're so happy for you. It's an incredible story. Everything that you've been through, the work that you've had to put in in order to get to this place, man, we can't wait to see what's next. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Congratulations on living out this dream, and best of luck moving forward, all right? Thank you, man. Y'all take it easy. Take care.